Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. This, this is RS3. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. It's been a frustrating day for many involved with the European Le Mans series so far. A free practice session that was initially scheduled to be 90 minutes, but just 30 minutes into FP1, a huge accident for Jack Manchester. Many of you uh, that were down watching at the time at Stowe Corner Turn 15 reported a puff of smoke and then the car going totally straight on into the tyres. So uh, Jack Manchester's car uh, is effectively a retirement already the top has been too badly damaged it remains to be seen whether Carlin can get a spare car in time for tomorrow's action but that could be the end of their weekend already and it meant that the rest of the session was red flagged from about half an hour into it all the way to the finish we were not able to get started again so this will be uh, dearly wanted track time for the ELMS entry we'll call you through the whole all of the action of course over the night next 90 minutes you're tuned to rs3 part of the radio show limited network of channels it'll be johnny palmer and martin haven live trackside here at still silverstone for the elms the european le mans series on rs3 on rs3 part of the radio show limited network so, yeah, many stories for us to uh, to investigate, and we will have uh, pit lane reporters, of course, down at the national pits, the heritage pits, to, to bring those to you. Um, I think the, sort of the most pressing story right now is what's going on at Carlin and whether a new uh, chassis is being sourced. But the, that will have to be re-scrutineered at the very least and potentially built up from, from a bare tub. Um, which may be too much to ask of the uh, the Trevor Carlin outfit making their first foray into uh, endurance type racing, into prototype racing, having had so much uh, uh, so much of a uh, career in single seaters in the past, of course, at all levels. Um, It'll be an 18-car lineup for LMP2. Uh, 14 cars, or 17 at this stage, of course, without the Carlin machine. 14 cars in LMP3, and the seven entries for the GTE uh, part of the field. So that should make 38 cars in total. And because we haven't had that much running, uh, for other problems to be encountered, and that's very frustrating for for those teams that had. Uh, maybe deliberately put their quicker drivers in first of all to shake down the car over the opening sort of 30 minutes and then dedicated the rest of the session that never happened to their bronze and, and silver graded drivers so some frustration certainly in amongst uh, the LMP3 teams and uh, engineers and in GTE GTE as well. Um, I mentioned that a new thing for 2019 is the fact that uh, these cars are going to be running with success ballast. The success ballast is based on uh, your current position in the championship. It also depends on where you finished uh, the previous race and the race before that. So your last two championship results and where you sit in the championship currently. And I can tell you, uh, 
taking all those things into account, the Car 55 will have five extra kilos on board. Car 55 is the spirit of race Ferrari for Duncan Cameron, Matt Griffin and Aaron Scott. The 66 car is the JMW Motorsport Ferrari of Jeff Siegel, Matteo Crisoni and Wei Lu. That car will have 25 kilos on board because it is currently third in the championship and has had two second places coming into this weekend. The 77 Porsche, which is second in the championship, the Dempsey Proton Racing Porsche of Christian Reed, Ricardo Perra and Matteo Cairoli. That car uh, will have also 25 kilos strapped alongside the driver. And the 51 Ferrari is the heaviest, 35 kilos. That's not the heaviest it could run, because if you led the championship and have won the previous two races, that's 45 kilos. It's not quite as heavy as that. 35 kg for car 51, the entry from Lusich Racing. Four, uh, sorry, uh, six races in total through season 2019. We've had three of them already. Visits to the south of France to Paul Ricard at the start of the year, uh, at which point it was a victory for... Uh, it, the overall victory was taken by Dragon Speed and their uh, Gibson-powered Orica 07, Henrik Hedman, Ben Hanley and James Allen. And then, since then, two victories back-to-back at Monza and Barcelona for the G-Drive Racing Aurus 01 of championship leaders Roman Rusinov and Jop van Outert, Norman Natto and Jean-Éric Verne being the slightly different uh, driver makeup uh, for rounds two and three. And purely uh, from a sort of freak of nature, uh, every race to this day, three of them, have been 135 laps in distance. So I just wonder whether we're going to get to 135 laps here at Silverstone as well for round four of the championship. Every race to this point, well, I say every race, uh, I was about to say they're all run on Sundays normally, but Barcelona... Uh, there was a change of form there because that was a Saturday night race starting at 6.30 through till half past 10, partly to avoid the the really very hot conditions here at, uh, at Barcelona in the northeast corner of Spain. And also just because that's sort of Spanish culture to, to witness events uh, late on into the night. Nice big crowd was present at Barcelona to witness the first ever night race in ELMS. And we've still got three races still to go here at Silverstone tomorrow, which is due for a 2.30 start. Spa-Francorchamps in Belgium over the weekend of the 20th, 21st and 22nd of September. And then the season ends as it did last year on the Algarve, uh, not far from Faro with a visit to the Algarve uh, International Circuit. And that race uh, in the south of Portugal uh, due to take place on the 27th of October. There have also been a good spread of, of pole positions so far. Obviously, we're not going to be looking at pole positions until tomorrow. Ah, interestingly, we're going to get two hours of running as well for the ELMS. That time has just appeared at the top of the clock, so we lost the best part of an hour for ELMS uh, earlier on today, but it's going to be a 120-minute session, according to my timing screen. So that will gain some of the time back again, hopefully, assuming there is uh, there are not further dramas in this event. And one or two driver changes that uh, we will obviously point your attention to but more crucially there are new cars to think about as well because United Autosports um, making the switch steadily from Ligier chassis to Orica that was not a difficult decision that was not an easy decision process for 
uh, team chiefs Zach Brown and Richard Dean to make because they were they were the UK dealer for Ligiers, both LMP2 and LMP3. And if you had a, a Ligier and were a UK-based team, you had to go to United Autosports to acquire the chassis. But unfortunately, the Ligier, when you compare it to the Orica currently, just not competitive. And therefore, uh, those at United Autosport having to make a, a difficult decision from a customer point of view to switch to Orica's. They've already made one switch. So the 22 car is a brand new Orica, which has been re- uh, acquired from uh, an American team, JDC Miller Motorsports, who run regularly in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Car 22, therefore, is one of those cars. They've still got the 32 car, which is a Ligier, but I understand that's going to be changed to an Orica in time for Spa next month. Is that Nick Damon in the pits? Yes. Hello, Nick. <laughs> I was uh, fiddling, with my, fiddling with my buttons. They say, hello. I, I've now taken that long, long walk from the wing. Well, I drove my car, to be honest, uh, down here. And, um, yes, it's all getting ready to go. And I think you right, we've got an extra half hour of fun. Yes, two hours. How's, now. That, how's that working with the rest of the programme? That's a very good question. Um, I, I don't know whether there's curfew, actually, on a Friday here at Silverstone. And because it always is. Mm, well, I'm, I'm not saying we could race through or, or qualify and practice through till 3 a.m. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can be on that shift. Um, this is due to start at quarter two, which is just 30 seconds away. So that will be quarter two five that we finish, won't it? Uh, 2.45, 3.45, 4.45. And then let's say we start WEC at five o'clock. Yeah. WEC will be standard free practice time, so that'll be 90 minutes. So it's it's going to start 30 minutes later. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Martin's Martin Haven is back. By the way, I as have well. just hot tail back fantastic. from the, uh, yeah, the Silver, Silverstone Classic. They run till seven o'clock on a Saturday night. Yeah, don't they? But, so but they're old cars, so the sounds all back in the 60s, so you don't hear it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's going to take a while to reach you, isn't it? It is. Uh, I'm down in the Carlin pit, by the way, uh, where it is uh, the world's largest Lego kit. They have taken all the usable parts off this and they're wheeling this tub itself out again so my guess is they'll be looking to get another tub in because they have literally detubbed the car and my left I've got front suspension right rear suspension I've got the exhaust I've got the whole gearbox and engine assembly so that I would think would be their plan I'll go and see if I can quit with Harry Tinknell who's uh, hanging around in the garage Hello, Tinks, how you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you, sir. Uh, car in bits, car broken, but is the plan to get a new chassis and rebuild it? Yeah, it literally just got wheeled out of the garage with no uh, no engine on the back of it. Yeah, it's full tubbage, unfortunately, but uh, um, there's been a bit of negotiation down in the wet paddock and another Delara has materialised and we will get that one ready for the quality tomorrow. Uh, did, did that mean Delara's hanging around? We'd like to have one right at the back of the garage. So, oh, it's Delara hanging around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was actually a couple available. So, uh, I don't know. I think I think we tossed a coin for which one we used. But uh, hopefully, it's a quick one. And the uh, main thing is Jack's okay. He's uh, having a scan in hospital at the moment on his lower back. Um, but he was absolutely fine, you know, talking to us in the medical centre. And it's more, more precautionary than anything. But uh, he'll be back stronger. And uh, we'll see if he's ready for tomorrow. Um, and I guess we'll just take advice from the doctors tonight. Um, any idea of what caused the accident? It looked like a, uh, they've had a verbal report of a puff of smoke and they went, just went straight on. Do we know if it was a failure or a driver problem or a track problem? Or? Um, yeah, he locked the front tyres. Um, I'm pretty sure we know what the issue was. It wasn't driver uh, issue, but I think I'll let the team comment further. 
that's fine, that's fine. Um, how are you enjoying this uh, this P2 outing here with Carlin this season? I'm enjoying it a lot, you know, it's just like coming home a little bit for me because I was here in Formula 3 with Carlin, had some, you know, I think they turned me, you know, gave me the tools and the, the knowledge to turn me into the sports car driver that I've become over the last four or five years. And, um, you know, I've been friends with Jack for a while and plan to drive together but not really had the opportunity so when when this one came came together it was, it was quite fun obviously I knew the uh, the Ford stuff was sort of coming to an end so it's quite good timing and you know to keep the program going in Europe while obviously also racing for Mazda in the States so it's been a really fun journey obviously the the, uh, the car is uh, yeah we've, we've taken a bit of getting used to and uh, we've still got some pace to find to the Oracles but we're doing our best and uh, the good thing is you know we've seen Jack progress all the time I think just even in his starts, you know, Paul Ricard who dropped back a little bit it, at Monza, kind of held, held station in the Barcelona, he went from 8th to 5th in the first corner, so he, he's coming on leaps and bounds, he's doing a fantastic job uh, obviously it's going to, not the nicest experience for him today, but uh, this is motorsport, and this is what happens unfortunately sometimes Another one of our drivers who are driving anything you can get your hands on, Delara uh, a P2 car, but of course over in the States or in the Mazda, which is uh, of course the DPI, and sort of been tuned up this year a little bit. What's the, what's the major difference between the DPI and the P2? Um, we have a little bit more power and um Obviously, the aero kits uh, and dampers are, are three for the DPIs in the States, so there's a little bit more variety underneath the skin, um, and obviously the aero stuff as well. Um, so I'd say the DPI car is probably about a second quicker. Not, it's not crazy difference um, if, compared to a fully, fully tuned up um, P2 car. Um, obviously, they've detuned the P2 slightly over there, so there's a bit of a bigger gap, but it's not, it's not a big difference. When I jump back into this, I don't go, oh wow, I don't, don't have any power or anything like that. So this is a really good breeding ground obviously European the monster is full of wet but also for IMSA and uh, seeing lots of people coming and crossing over and obviously I started my sports car career ELMS and uh, it's great to it's great to be back and um, you know the sooner we can be back uh, racing at the front the better and I'm going to say with Carlin we're just progressing up the at the field um, with each race we've done this season. Yeah, it's, great, it's great to see the Carlin uh, name obviously in even more in national sport. So, so a quick question on the Mazda because I was over in uh, Petit Le Mans last year and you guys were going well but not great. What, what's the magic bullet you found this year to go from almost almost there to actually there and winning? With the Mazda was that? Yeah. Um, well, we, we had some error updates over the winter. That really helped. Not so much overall downforce, just efficiency. So we were finding last year we were having to run much higher wing angles to get the same downforce as the other cars, which meant we weren't very competitive on the straight. So we're now a lot more error efficient. Um, AER have worked you know, impressively on the engine. We're now massively more reliable. We've still had a few issues in Daytona, but since then, you know, we haven't had any issues the whole season with the engine. And then Multimatic have again done a fantastic job in terms of all the winter development. We did two 30-hour tests. Um, we just refined the car a bit more. Um, new people on the stand as well. Um, all Multimatic engineering, which uh, which has really like come come to fruition this year. And in in combination with the simulator work that we're doing, I think uh, just every you know I think even last year at times the car was really quick at mid Ohio. You know I was leading at Laguna and got taken out. We finished second at um, so we had our opportunities, but just with those little refinements with the aero, the little refinements with the reliability, um, and, and just maybe just a, you know, 
the continuation of the you know, second year of Master Team Yo, so we just found that last couple of tents and we're really taking to them this year and obviously three in a row uh, over there now is fantastic. Um, I've loved being in the States ever since I've been there. I was like, you know what, this is so much fun. I can't imagine what it's like to be winning because, you know, I'm, I'm having fun even though we're, we're not really competing at the front and now, now we're winning. It's amazing and we've got Laguna in two weeks. We'll see how it goes. Great. Final question. We've asked a few of you guys who's racing everything all the time everywhere. What's your favourite ever race car you've raced in your entire career? Um, it's a good question. I mean, I'm very lucky to have a, a few good ones to choose from. Obviously, the 4 GT was incredible. Um, but I must say that the the very first sports car that I drove, you know, the, the Zytec Gibson, or the Gibson as it became, that's probably my favourite car. Just... In terms of balance, it was so similar to what I was used to in Formula 3. Uh, power to weight ratios and stuff like that. And obviously, when you go and win Le Mans first time out, you have fantastic memories of, of a car like that. And Simon's Simon's got it put back in the original livery and the original body kit that we uh, that we won Le Mans in. And uh, I'm just keep teasing him every now and again that we need to take it down. You know, he lives in Monaco, so keep teasing him to take it down to, to Port Ricard and uh, and have a have a blast for old time's sake. So hopefully we'll, we'll get to do that at some point. But definitely that car was just so well balanced and uh, we had such a fantastic race there that year. It's just such good memories and obviously have the Journey to the Mon DVD on the mantelpiece to remind ourselves from time to time as well. Harry, great stuff. Thank you. Hope to see you back out tomorrow morning. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Dick. Cheers. So, uh, Harry Tickle there uh, joining Nick Damon. Thank you for getting that story straight away. And just to confirm, this session is going to run 30 minutes longer than expected because of all that time that was lost earlier on today with the... Uh, Frightening looking crash for Jack Manchester and his Delara uh, colliding with the Stowe tyre wall and we lost the best part of an hour from that session. So some of the time uh, gained back again and it's going to be a very quick turnaround, bearing in mind some drivers are going to have to scoot from one paddock to another not necessarily in 15 minutes, because I'm sure other drivers will be put at the wheel of their cars, but they'll have to make the journey at some point. Yeah, they don't necessarily have to drive last in this no. session and first in the next, so... Uh, yeah. Well, that would be yeah. a good wind-up thing, wouldn't it, from the mechanics, to say, yeah, you're in, now, where yeah. are you? <laughs> yeah, I had a, a quick chat with some of the guys who are in the grandstand at Stowe earlier on, and yeah, the car just went straight on. There's some uh, two clear black lines straight into the barrier, and talked to Eduardo Freitas at lunchtime, he was saying the problem wasn't uh, that they had, that the car had gone through the tyres and reached any concrete walls, uh, but it was the Tech Pro barriers that had been damaged. They were hoping to be able to put them back into place, but in fact, uh, the conveyor belting on that whole Stowe tyre wall is basically one long unit, so right. the entire thing had to come out, then all the tyres had to come out, then the Tech Pro barriers were replaced, then the whole thing had to be rebuilt. So that was a, a long job. He said, Maybe they could have done it, you know, five or ten minutes quicker, but they certainly couldn't have done it in a third of the time or a half of the time. So um, I think, you know, as, as always with barrier replacement, quite a lot more time than you think is actually spent assessing what needs to be done before they whistle up the trucks with all the spare bits on and everything else. So, yep. yeah, the guys down there at, uh, at Stowe did a lot of work uh, for a lot of time, but it is all uh, back in one place. And uh, just got a message in from Trevor Carlin. Jack's having scans. Seems okay. Top was damaged, so we're changing it, as we've just heard from Nick. Um, so, uh, yeah, Jack has uh, gone to uh, the hospital uh, for precautionary scans. He did get out of the car under his own steam, but uh, his back was a bit sore. And as with all these things, you know, everything in your whole body hangs off your spine, as you know, if you uh, damage it in any way, shape or form. Um, so, no... Um, 
yeah, no ch second chance has been taken, no chances at all been taken with that whatsoever. Um, one car yet to leave the pit lane other than that is the number 11 uh, Euro International car. Mikko Jensen um, and the crew have not moved yet. Yes, yeah, uh, so it's like Jens Pettersson that shares with Mikkel. It is, again, yeah. this weekend. Uh, I've also not got... I know, got times for the other cars that... Uh, are shown in the pit lane. 77's been out, but just hasn't set a competitive time yet, and is back in the pits. Matteo Cairoli being shown alongside number 77, the Dempsey Proton Racing Porsche. And Kessel Racing, relatively late to join the session, but is now out with Rahel Fry at the wheel of the Kessel Racing car number 83. And of course, as with a lot of drivers, this is her first time out on the Silverstone circuit this weekend because she didn't get a chance to cycle in in the yeah. very much truncated... I mean, we only really got half an hour of running, didn't we? So there's a lot of drivers who have been here since yesterday and, you know, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon and now actually for the first time getting out on track. So it's a bit of a hurry-up for all of them. They need... A lot of the drivers will need to get track time. So the likes of Sam De Jong, Martin Hipper. I mean, pretty much anybody who's in the car at the moment has not driven it before now. Uh, Alexandre Quigny and uh, uh, RLR M Sport at the top of the pile uh, being notable exceptions because Arjun Maini did drive before the break. I don't think John Ferrano or Bruno Senna, who are also in the RLR M Sport lineup, are the fastest car at the moment, 43. Don't think they drove at all. Alex Quigny was in the cool racing car when the flags came out. Uh, car, that's car number 37. Uh, and I don't think either Nico Lapierre or Antonin Borga have driven that car either. Um, so, yes, as well as getting their set up and, you know, working out what this new... Uh, less bumpy and higher grip Silverstone surface means for them compared to what it meant for them last year uh, at this time. The teams have also got to do a lot more driver cycling through than before. So that extra half hour, probably most of the cars will spend that, I was going to say waste that, will spend that in the pit lane, taking drivers in or out uh, or making setup changes that they, because they're chasing a, a basically a new track. I'm still working through various driver changes that have been done sort of inside the weekend, if you like. Uh, Renault Centre is here this weekend racing with Rebellion, but it's Macho Vaxavier actually replacing him oh, okay. at RLR M Sport. Vaxavier wasn't part of the session, as you made the point. We didn't see Senna, we didn't see Vaxavier. Arjun Miney did I, do I, I think mileage. he did all of it. Yeah, well, what I've got is like, like an eight-minute lap from... John Ferrano, so it's almost as if he was put in the car and then the red flags were shown. That sounds very likely, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, and then it took him the best part of six or seven minutes to return to the pits at 40 kph, so uh, at the start of, a, start of a stint became uh, nothing more for the Canadian, sadly. But yes, I just wonder whether these, these in-weekend driver changes have been made, well, clearly with some planning, because Vaxavier wouldn't have just been knocking around Silverstone. Well, it's a nice place to be, I suppose. But, but <laughs> these are that. busy weekends for, for people like Bruno and others that had planned perhaps to do a double weekend. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the teams may be deciding to get drivers that their priority is exclusively the ELMS. So... I, I think it's pointless me giving you the list of drivers that uh, that we haven't seen out yet, but I can certainly keep that list on the laptop ready to, to, to cross-check as we question one or two and whether they've done any mileage just yet. 
but uh, I know 360 Racing, for example, their car that was driven by Ross Kaiser, we know for a fact Terence Woodward and James Dason didn't get anything in at all. Uh, and they are the, th the two drivers that desperately wanted track time. Um, now, because Nick spoke to Ross Kaiser at 360 Racing, car number six, obviously the curse of the pit lane commentator <laughs> in full effect. Team manager of car six to the stewards immediately uh, was the message on the, the screen almost from the beginning of FP2. So I'm not sure other than obviously allowing Nick to... Um, chat to their driver what other criminal offences they may have committed or racing offences they may have committed. Uh, Ross Kaiser took the car out, he's now back in the pit lane. Um, Tommy Erdos was the man at the wheel of the number two United LMP3 car and he is back in the pit lane and Tommy Erdos I think a little bit like Johnny Molem thought probably a few years ago he'd retired uh, and then uh, has uh, successfully unretired. Uh, fastest of our LMP2 cars, as it was at the end of FP1, is the number 17 Ultimate Motorsport car, uh, the La A's, uh, and it's Jean-Baptiste at the wheel currently, sharing with Mathieu and François Herriot, in that all-French lineup in the all-French team of Norman, Nissan and Michelin. Speaking of Mathieu Vaxavier, he just suddenly gone through to go quickest. Quicker than the cool racing car of Alexandre Quani and of Philippe Albuquerque as well. So it's a Dunlop shod car, an Orica from RLRM Sport that posts a 144.919. And that puts it uh, just shy of two tenths of a second quicker than the Michelin shod cars behind it. However, quick lap coming in from Felipe Albuquerque. Purple in sector two by 12 hundredths of a second. He's predicted to go fastest. I'm going to look left out of the window. 22 comes across the line and does go fastest by uh, 42 hundredths of a second. So he found a little more in sector three than the timing screens had allowed. Um, so definitely United and RLR, 22 and 43, the LMP2 cars with their quick drivers aboard with no disrespect to the others if you're united's 22 team and you want uh, an outright lean on the door handles fastest lap then uh, hot dog jumping frog is the one you go to isn't he uh Mathieu Vazivier, second fastest for rrm sport is this a better lap from him it's not currently cool racing's alex quiney third uh and Duquesne Engineering, the number 30 car, that was up towards the top of the time. Where did they end up? They ended up fourth in the first session. Uh, Richard Bradley is at the wheel of that car at the moment. They are fourth fastest. Graf, the red, white and blue colours of Graf, the number 39 car of that ilk, is fifth with Alexandre Cuneau. Uh, that car started from pole position already uh, at least once this season, hasn't it? Was that last time out in Monza they were on pole? Uh, Straining to think now. Panis Bartes, sixth quickest with the number 23 car. That's the one with the golden arches on the side. Will Stevens driving that car. And, you know, one of the things that I enjoy a lot about Michelin Le Mans Cup, and especially European Le Mans series, is the calibre of driver that is coming in. And, you know, Harry Tinkle talked about coming back to race it from a factory GTE programme. But you've got, you know, ex-Grand Prix drivers, you've got young up-and-coming drivers, Martin. and you've got sports car experts like you? Albuquerque. No. Go ahead, Nick. Got, got you at last. Honestly, well, you're, once, you're, once you're rolling, it's like it's like a runaway train, isn't it? <laughs> Hello, hot. Talk, I can hear a kettle. <laughs> Talking about young and up-and-coming driver, I've got this, this, this youthful young driver being given his first opportunity by United Autosports. It's Mr. Thomas Erdos, I believe. Uh, Tommy, I, I remember talking to you back when I started this endurance stuff back in 2000. 
2007, you know, uh, then you, well, I thought, retire for many years, and now you're back. Give us a story. What's happened? Well, I was already old in 2007, so, <laughs> so yeah, I think, um, first of all, it's great, absolutely great to be here with United. It's just an incredible uh, team to work for, and, uh, yeah, so grateful for the opportunity. Uh, at my ripe old age of 55, nearly 56, so, uh, no, it's just fantastic. What can I say? I mean, uh, uh, first run now, just on track. Uh, obviously, the uh, first session was uh, cut short. Uh, we don't know sh for sure why, but of course there was an accident earlier. Um, I hope the driver is okay. But um, anyway, so yeah, first run in the uh, number two LMP3 United, and uh, it's all looking good, all feeling good. Just uh, you know, warmed up to it. So what were you doing in between? So running for Mike wasn't the last thing you did, and then, and then now was that, was that four years you didn't drive? Was it more than that? Yeah, I mean, uh, 2011 we stopped with the uh, Mike Newton's program. Well, eight years. That's right, so I have been doing very much. I did uh, one race in 13 in British GT and that was it really. So, yeah, it's been a long, a long uh, time stopped. And, uh, I've, you know, I've always maintained that I, I, I love racing, but I love racing when it's competitive. And uh, there were some opportunities in different things, but frankly, uh, it didn't float my boat, if I'm honest. Uh, so I decided to focus on uh, my, uh, you know, making a living and uh, looking after the family and that kind of thing. But then when the phone rang and it was Richard Dean, and an opportunity to drive for United, uh, well, that, that got me going again, so. And how much of a shock was it to the old body getting back in a race car? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was quite a shock, if I'm honest. You know, I mean, these things are, f are fast. I mean, they, you know, okay, we, we stopped driving LMP2s in 11, but there, there was, then LMP2 was quite a bit slower than these LMP2s of, of today. But, the, uh, P, the, you know, on the other side, the P3s have actually got better and better and faster. So there's not a lot of difference between the P2s that I drove in 2011 and the, and the LMP3 now. So believe me, it was a, it was a shock to my body <laughs> when I first drove it. But you know, I'm, I'm uh, slowly getting up to speed. I think I've got great uh, co-drivers to help me along, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm loving, I'm loving the opportunity. So this is a, a one-year swan song, or you intend to come back for, for many seasons? Well, listen, it's, it, it's, this was just something that happened out of the blue. You know, literally the phone rang in January, and uh, but things are going really well, and. I love the, the atmosphere here, and I would love to do it again, but obviously that's depending on, on other things, and uh, the uh, the deal is for this year, and uh, we'll see what happens next year, is uh, still a long way to go. I suppose it, it helps because you, you hit 55, so you would have gone down a grading, wouldn't you? Correct, so that's clearly why the opportunity came up, because uh, I became a bronze uh, driver when you hit 55, and, and of course Richard uh, as, you know, as wise as he is, he looked at the, the list and saw, oh, Tommy is a bronze now, so I'll give him a ring, but it wasn't an automatic thing. Obviously, he wanted to see me in the car, quite rightly, because I hadn't been in the car for such a long time. And uh, but you know, it worked out well, and uh, here we are, and we are fourth in the championship. Uh, we with a fighting chance, uh, so I can't complain. So, Tommy, you're running now another version of Silverstone with a new set. What was the first? What was the first time you came to Silverstone? Which car? Oh man, now you got me. Um, Probably 1988 in a Formula First, and that wasn't on the Grand Prix circuit. We ran on the national circuit, I think. But yeah, a long time ago, a long time ago. <laughs> We've been asking a few of our, our, our uh, more experienced and multi-class drivers. What's what's the best racing car they've ever raced? So what's what's, what's your favourite racing car you've raced? My favourite racing car, I think, was the uh, the Lola Coupe with the uh, Honda V8 as uh, normally aspirated. 
that, that Honda engine was special. And obviously, we had the Lola going well. I think that, that has to be my favorite race car, the Lola uh, LMP2 with the V8 uh, Norman Aspirator Honda. Tommy Erdos, thank you, Nick. Yeah, uh, Formula First 1988, Formula Four, finished third in that championship 1989, and then was a Formula Renault champion in 1990. And more recent championship wins came in the precursor to the ELMS, which was known as the Le Mans series. Mm. 2007 and 2010 was the LMP2 champion for Ray Malik and RLM, RML rather, Ray Malik again. Uh, uh, yeah, RML. RML, yeah. RL, RLRM Sport and RML are yeah, yes. not even remotely related other, other than uh, it, it, in a Scrabble game. Yeah, so RML. And that, was, and that was the car that for so many years he raced with Mike Newton so successfully. Or yeah. a selection of cars that for so many years they raced successfully in LMP2. And uh, yeah, it's really nice to see Tommy behind the wheel. Slightly worrying that I remember him as a, you know, yet another of the conveyor belt of young Brazilian talents coming over to start their racing career in junior single-seaters in the UK. And, uh, yeah, that's a frighteningly long time ago. However, uh, really good to see him back. And as he says, you know, uh, with age comes experience, wisdom, and a dropping of your FIA grade, which makes mm, life true. <laughs> very, very entertaining indeed. Uh, so... Um, yeah, he's Andy Wallace was part of the combo as well in 2010 that took yes. the title yeah. with the HPD powered Lola. So yes, that was the yeah, sort of beautiful back end looking of closed coupe and yeah, mm, and then yeah. they had the uh, the MGAER Lola as well that uh, that followed on from that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, good driver lineup and uh, it flawlessly run by uh, Ray Malik and the crew. Yeah, it was uh, definitely. A very entertaining time. Now, talking about uh, LMP2, still United Auto Sports for the time set by Felipe Albuquerque. That car is fastest from RLRM Sports number 43 machine. And the 37 cool racing car, Alex Quani, still at the wheel. Top two on the timing screens, United's 22 and the 43 of RLR are back in the pit lane. Uh, cool racing third, G-Drive now up to fourth. Roman Rusinov starting his first laps in the car during our interview with Tommy. Uh, Pierre Rag is out in the Duquesne car, number 30. That's the fifth quickest car at the moment. Jonathan Hershey is at the wheel of the 39 Graf car. So essentially, we're seeing everybody who started the session no longer in the car, with the exception of Alex Quani. Clearly, he super glued the door shut as he got in, because they couldn't get him out in the first session and can't get him out now. Pierre Rag, Jonathan Hershey in the 39 car. The Panish Bartes 23 car, that's Ralph Binder. Uh, the 25, Algarve Pro car, John Falp is in that car, ahead of former team United Auto Sports 32 car, uh, Alex Brundle. In fact, John Falp, uh, is he still doing, he's still doing the Mont Cup, is he? He certainly did Road to Le Mans he with, did do Road to Le Mans. with no, United. I don't think he's doing uh, the full season of Le Mans Cup, though. Uh, into Europol, Jakov Schmikowski is in the number 34 green and yellow car for BHK Motorsport in 35. Uh, who is in 35 at the moment? That is Gary Finlay, another one of our British drivers this weekend. Uh, and uh, Timothy Beret in the 24 Panis Bartes car. Henrik Hedman in the Dragon Speed car, but in the pits, 21. And uh, who's going quickly in LMP3? For easy distinguishing, LMP3 have the purple backing to their numbers. LMP2 have the blue backing because otherwise, if you 
presented them in carbon, I think an Orica LMP3 and an Orica LMP2 car, you'd need to be quite good to tell them apart, stationary, never mind whistling past you 100 metres away at 100 k's. They're a little bit narrower, I think they've yeah. got a shorter wheelbase as well, but you need them side by side yes, don't you, exactly. to fully compare them, yeah, I agree. It's like GT3 and GT4, unless you know how wide a GT3 wing is, then yeah. you, you're, you're quite hard pushed to tell. However, fastest in LMP3, Ultimate Motorsport, number 17 car. Now, Francois Erio is at the wheel of that car. That's his first time in there. Uh, 360, second quickest. And car number six, don't know why they were summoned to the stewards, other than uh, talking to Nick, but Terence Woodward is at the wheel of that one. Uh, Oregon, third, Lorenzo Bontempelli. Fourth is Nielsen with James Littlejohn, uh, who's... Uh, making more occasional or more frequent forays into European Le Mans series after having made the, uh, a couple that he combined with the British GT a couple of years ago. Uh, in the number two United Autosports car is currently... Uh, who's the G. Gris? Garrett Gris. Garrett Gris, right. I, I should buy Thank you, Johnny. No, he's, there. He's, the, he's the middle no name. You just weren't looking keenly enough. Uh, oh, no, I was looking at the line for number three, Mike Grash and there Christian Lingard. There we are. Yeah. because I'm an idiot. So, Garrett's been racing with Tommy Erdos, who we've just heard from on Wayne Boyd all season. And there's a new fastest time now in GTE, I noticed, because Matteo Cairoli, late to the session. I think I mentioned he'd, he'd done a, sort of an outlap, which became an inlap. But now car 77 uh, in the, with the amber backing, as all GT cars in this ca in this uh, race series have, has just done a 158.712. So that car is now fastest in a seven-car lineup in GTE, and fastest by nearly two seconds uh, from the Lutic Racing Ferrari. Lutic Racing's 51 Ferrari, which is predominantly red, hey, what are the odds, uh, with substantial white, because it's a normally Swiss team. Uh, that car currently with Alessandro Pierre Guidi at the wheel, and uh, that car leading the championship in GTE, with two wins so far and a couple of poles this season. Yeah. And they were second or third in Paul Ricard's weren't, as well, weren't they? So uh, yes. So they've had a very strong season. Also, uh, they've been racing very strongly in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. So Actually, won it. They won, it, they won it, Ricard, in ELMS, that's right, and they yes. were on the podium in Michelin Le Mans Cup, yes. So, I mean, and that was their debut in both campaigns. <laughs> Talk about arriving with a bag. Mm. Yeah, on yeah. pole in Michelin Le Mans Cup as well. So, yeah, there's there's good driver lineup, and clearly the car well run by uh, an, another of the Amato Ferrari satellite teams, Lutic Racing. But every credit to, to Fabian Leverne, who just seems to be the difference, really. They often stick Leverne in for the opening bronze stint. Uh, and many times this season, he's just driven away from his competition. Fellow bronze-graded drivers. And uh, I wanted to argue that there's perhaps a little bit of discrepancy between one bronze and another this season. But that's partly the reason why success ballast has been brought into the equation for the 2019 season. To, to equalise the field a little bit more. Uh, it just doesn't seem to be working for Lucy just yet. Well, the other thing is is that he's not particularly put his head above the parapet in anything that he's done previously. Yeah. So a little bit like Jot van Eyter, when they arrive, not fully formed, but clearly quicker than a quick thing, it, it's very hard to go back and say, well, you should have guessed from the fact that he was, you know, 14th in European Formula 4 last year. Well, hello, what? Or whatever it happens to be. So he's establishing this year his, you know... It, it, European-wide, pan-European or international sort of standing 
as a GT driver, and it's clearly going to be regraded for next season. So, if he becomes champion, it certainly will be. Yes. Well, he, based on his results and his ability in the car so far, I think it definitely will. Nick. Yeah, down with the car you've not seen out yet, which is the 11 Euro International uh, Ligier JSP3 car. It's one of the all-carbon, brand new, straight out of the packet set with a couple of stickers. First of all, the uh, uh, Mikael. got a mystery issue. They've been sitting in the car with the mechanics and revving it whilst the one looks at the computer for a few minutes, but they've now looks like they may have solved the problem. They're taking it back onto the hijacks, which is good for this one because they've put the floor back on again. So lots of running around. They've my guess is they were having a problem making the thing to run cleanly. They're trying to run it through the gears. Uh, that appears to have been sorted, but they are now trying to get this 11-year international car. I'm not quite sure this is a brand new car. Johnny, obviously I've not followed this series. They, uh, did they break one? Have they changed chassis, or are they just not a, a full season entry, the, uh, the 11 car? No, they are a season entry. There was, there, there was drama at, the, at, at Paul Ricard at the start of the year because of a former driver that used to race with Euro International. Uh, claimed that there was an unsettled bill there and actually turned up with some bailiffs and removed the car that they were due to race ah. at Bory Cars. They had to source another machine. Now, I don't, I'm not sure whether they've gone back to the original chassis or it's the car they sourced at Recars this at the start of the year. This is brand spanking new. Okay. It, is, it is, could not be more carbon if it was actually a piece of charcoal. I see. Uh, well, the car at Ricard was as well, wasn't it? It wasn't green and yellow. It was in plain black. Yes, so it was. They may just have gone... Okay, well, we'll stick with that. Uh, yeah, the car seized by legal authorities arriving at Paul Ricard at the start of the year um, with 2018 team driver Giorgio Mondini, who uh, had issues to settle with, uh, with Euro International. So uh, that was all very, um, you know, story laden at the start <laughs> to kick off a new season. Um, it's nothing, like, nothing like a seized chassis to get the, the season going, is there? Yeah, indeed. indeed. To make you give the full Formula One experience, obviously. So they've had the floor off, which suggests sort of alternator, starter motor issues of some kind, rather than ECU and GCU not talking to each other. I think it just wasn't running properly, because they were running it through the gears, and they were running it up through the revs, and they were, they were shaking their heads, fiddling with stuff, and suddenly they, they did it again, but the fourth time, and then instantly all the bits of the bodywork are going back on again. So, uh, yeah, my guess is it just wasn't running cleanly. I don't think they had an issue with gear engagement, but it just wasn't running cleanly. Apparently it is now. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven mechanics, six mechanics, and mechanics overseer all around the car doing up the 175 little tiny little screws to get the floor and the top back on again and then I think at some point my guess is because I saw him suited and booted it's going to be uh, Jens Pedersen who's going to take the car out for this uh, luckily longer than scheduled session. Unfortunately for them having lost an hour of the first free practice they've already lost 32 and a half minutes of this free practice as well so they will be not exactly free practiced out. The car at least will have some more kilometres on it when it gets to the beginning of the race compared to some of the others, but uh, experience for the drivers would definitely be more useful for Euro International. So that car about to leave the pit lane. Carlin's LMP2 car not about to leave the pit lane as they source hopefully a spare tub for it. Mm. Um, fairly sure that Henrik Hedman has at least one that he would be very happy to get rid of. Whether Dragon Speed have it here or not, uh, remains to be seen. I'm not entirely sure what Delara themselves may have in the, what's the Italian for Kundendiest, customer service uh, vehicle. Uh, I suppose that if you're 
really serious about customer service, no matter how many or how few car customers you have, a new tub is something that you might conceivably be needing over the course of a race weekend. Um, so it might be that they actually do have one and, uh, and Carlin need to go no further than, uh, say, the Dallara truck. However, that does rather sound like FP3 tomorrow maybe their only chance to actually really get some uh, mileage in the car. Um, and we'll wait to see how the health of the tub is, the health of Jack Manchester as well, see whether he'll be uh, past OK to drive tomorrow. And again, obviously, it's not just about free practice, it's about uh, doing his stint in the race and being able to, uh, you know, for, from his point of view, in, in his head, be fit enough to hold your end up because you don't want to then prejudice... Uh, the result potentially for the car by going, yeah, no, no, definitely put me in. Oh, hang on a minute. Oh, no, yeah. uh, actually, I've done a lap and uh, suddenly... Well, there's, there's a risk of doing far more damage than has already been done as well, Very isn't there? So. Trying to, uh, you know, take take the, the bravery and think, I can do this, no trouble at all. But, I mean, there'll be doctor's advice as well, and he's in good hands right now in hospital, and they will have a say, no doubt about it. Just back to Jens Pedersen and Mikkel Jensen. Yes, definitely full season entries, because they're second in the championship, trailing by 14 points, Martin Hipper and Nigel Moore in LMP3. Martin and Nigel, the uh, inter-Europol competition entries in car number 13. That's the green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow car, not the black green and yellow car. That's right. Uh, but Pedersen and, and Jensen have taken in a race victory and a second place uh, in the order Monza and Ricard. It's the Barcelona race, which was really one to forget. They only managed to retrieve a point from that. And I'm trying to remember whether they even made the finish because the point might have been from pole position, actually, in for class. For putting their name correctly on the top of the entry form. <laughs> yeah, it was a retirement. Yeah. So they got the point for, for starting the race at the sharp end and then didn't get further than 74 laps. So... Uh, maybe more gremlins uh, related to the Barcelona race. Not sure at this stage. Uh, well, that's, no, that's the other car at the moment. All right, okay. uh, Martin Hippers at the wheel of the number 13 car. He is on track. And in fact, he has currently set the best sector three on the last lap for that car. Uh, so that Ligier, as it is, the uh, number 13 car is currently sixth in LMP3. Ultimate lead from United and 360, then Oregon, Nielsen and into Europol. So the RLR M Sport car, which is down in uh, ninth place in the car, that's the red and white number 15 car. That is uh, Martin, Morton, Martin Mortensen at the wheel, shares with uh, Christian Olsen and Martin Rich. That car uh, has had a couple of problems it seems to be in the pit lane it's not really finding the, the speed it's only just ahead of the other inter-europol car which is uh, the number 10 lmp3 car sam de jong so in fact the uh, all 13 of our lmp3 cars are in line astern with the exception on the timing screen of ricardo Pera who's currently driving the 77 Dempsey Proton car, Matteo Cairoli, put that 28th fastest. So the fastest of our GT3 cars is ahead of three of the LMP3s. Aha, now then. A 10-minute stop and go for car number six for not respecting red flag procedure in free practice one, which means that whoever was at the wheel um, either continued on past the pits for another lap or came back rather too quickly or possibly mm -hmm. stopped on the grid rather than in the pit lane but I, I think we would have noticed there because Nick wouldn't have ventured out onto the grid to talk to Ross Kaiser so 
uh, I'm sure he would have noticed that the car wasn't there. So um, there is a 10-minute stop and go. And that presumably will be served in this session rather than that being a penalty for the race. Didn't say on the timing screen. We'll have to find a steward's decision for that and, and uh, find out why. However, you would much rather lose 10 minutes of your two-hour free practice session than a 10 minutes stop and go in the race. Hello, it's serving it now. Is it? It's Straight just away. pulled down. A marshal has. Uh, it's, it's, it's in the gap between the two halves of the national pits, you know, by the bridge uh, and the toilets, more importantly. Um, yeah, so it's in that gap uh, between United Autosports and Euro Interpol. Uh, I'm not overly sure. I think it's it's Woodward in the car. Uh, he's not totally sure what's going on, but there's a marshal with a flag and uh, a man called Phil Smith from the uh, Hitler Marshal team. And they are timing him as I speak. I'm not going to stand here for 10 minutes. I'm just saying he started it now. So they are serving it during this session. All right. Well, that's at 15.22, probably, when it came to a halt. Newton, fastest time at the sharp end from Philippe Albuquerque, a 144.507 now for that car. And has that car immediately come into yeah, the pits? That was, that, was that, on. that was on the previous lap. That was on lap five of the six that they have done. Oh, fine. So it's now, on the lap the now. The second fastest car, the Dragon Speed number 21, has already done 20 laps. So United has spent a long time stationary with that number 22 car. Uh, does still show Felipe Albuquerque at the wheel. He's in sector one, uh, which is going towards Nick. Uh, however, where is the number 37 cool racing car? Answers on a Twitter-style postcard to at Blackpool Johnny, J-O-N-N-Y, please, because Alex Kwani is shown as stops. There are double yellows at turn 18. Yeah, which is club. So I just wonder whether you, if you lean forward, you might be able to detect where that car is or another machine, which might is stranded. Give, get die to give me a bunk up here. <laughs> Hang on a minute. No, I'm, I'm now, I'm now on the, oh, I'm now on the desk and in danger of really doing myself some injury. Never mind all the broadcasting equipment. I wouldn't, lean on, I wouldn't lean on that racks unit there. No, I'm, I'm, you're still on air. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Uh, it's not in the gravel on the final element. Right. However, ooh, somebody is getting a, somebody's being shown a black and white board at the pits, which on the back says stop and go. So I'm assuming they're waiting to show that to car number six in the vain hope that car number six will come round but as we know it won't come round for at least another eight minutes or seven minutes because mm. it's already serving its stop and go so he'll come past the pits having sat stewing in his own juices for ten minutes only to be shown a stop and go board boys that's showing me a board what's going on don't worry uh, yellow flag full course yellow board being prepared okay and yes, confirmation of that at the bottom of the screen as well, that that's going to be into action in the next five seconds. So full course yellow, which is everyone hit the limiter and circulated 80 kilometres per hour. And the full course yellow is indeed now live. So everyone will decelerate to a point where the environment for the marshals to leap down into is slightly safer and hopefully if it's a car that needs recovered recovering that can be done relatively quickly now frequently we will have a full course yellow session just so that all the local marshals at the track are fully conversant with the way that it works and so on and that will be thrown Often in free practice one by the race director, obviously we had slightly more going on with a full red flag in free practice one, so that might have put the kibosh on that. This may be as a result 
of Alex Quiney's cool racing car coming to a halt somewhere at the exit of the Vale, but not in my view of the third element of the right-hander club corner. It may be that it is also a handy time for a full-course yellow rehearsal, uh, which is a sort of re actually required full-course yellow. Well, the thing that tells me that it's not Kwani, he's, he's completed the final sector, so he must have come across the line, mm. and therefore, is, if he is stopped, it'll be somewhere in sector one, between the start line in front of us and the breaking point at Brooklyn's. So, well, it wouldn't be the first car in no. the uh, WC session. Uh, uh, one of the cars stopped there, didn't it? Red River Sport Ferrari, I think it was. No, 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 it was one of the P2 cars. Uh, not cool racing, but... Not satellite class, but high class. It, correct, exactly it was. And that went through numerous. Headlights are on, headlights are off. They're on again, Ted. Ah, they're off. Ah, they're on again, Ted. Ah, they're off. And eventually, he control-deleted it just enough that it eventually went, oh, right, okay, and, and drove off. In, in that, solved. In that, yes, exactly. Almost at the moment that the mechanic arrived from the garage that you complained my car won't start, you were able to drive to the garage. So uh, um, that, yeah, The Graf 39 car just turned up. Uh, Good. That's the Cockney cars. Oh, is it the 39? Hang on, I may have mis misdone you. Know. That's it's the, the red, white, and blue one. 39 is the Cockney car, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's no, it. 37, 37 is, the is, is, and that's Cockney. Ah, uh, it says a Cockney on the side of the car. 39. 39 car, yeah. sits on the side of the car, but he's actually getting out of the car, Jonathan Hershey, who is on the other driver, so perhaps he's in both the cars. Well, the 39 Graf no. car should be uh, Alex Cugnot, not Alex Quigny. Yes, ah. yeah, there is ah, a Quigny right. and there's a Cugnot. Well, there we are, that's my inability to, uh, to translate French and paper. Which car is Cugnot in, then? Thir 37 Cool Racing. Ah, the Cool Racing. 37 that's is Quigny, C-O-I-G-N-Y, for your programmers, folks. Oh, uh, yes, this, is, uh, this, is, this has got all them... Uh, Paul Trussell, isn't it? <laughs> uh, well, you know, he's not here this weekend, so we, uh, we've got to fill in. But don't forget that uh, the uh, number five car is being driven by Barry Smith. Oh, pre news for you. Uh, right, who wants to guess where Carlin got their chassis from? Because they've now got it back. And they've got the new chassis they're fitting up already. Uh, where did they get it from? Well, yeah, who got it? Ma Martin maintains it's going to be Henrik Hedman and Dragon Speed. He's wrong. I didn't think they even had a Delara. Where have you got that from? They had one in WEC last year. Yeah. yeah. It is, they uh, didn't. That was a BR engineering car. Oh, because they're completely different, well, aren't they? You surely you can't take an no, LMP1 and P1. turn it into a P2, can you? I don't know. With a Haxel. Or a oh, It's the Cetilia Villepacorsa spare chassis. Ah, okay. And it has the names of Lacorte, Bellicchi and Serangiotto. I'm not sure if, actually, if it's a spare one for what they're doing now in, in Le Mans. In, uh, WEC, I don't know. It might be a different chassis entirely. I, my, my, I, unfortunately, the paperwork I have with me here does not include the WEC entry list, so... Uh, uh, well, I would assume if Carlin are building it up, then it's probably not going to be required this weekend. Maybe in their spare, and then in the words, yeah. here's some cash, spoke really loudly. So, that is the first element of the Carlin puzzle going back together. Uh, and the second element re requires a return from the Aussie of uh, Jack Manchester. Mm. Um, so uh, did, I, I, think, I think you said earlier, um, Martin, there was going to be a, a, a free practice three. There's no free practice three for this, these boys. They're straight on to qualifying tomorrow morning. Yes, that's very true. So that might be the first time that uh, almost anybody gets to drive the car. I would say it certainly is, because they aren't going to finish this in an hour.
Oh, go on. In, in they would if Bradley was there. It would, take, it would take a fortnight. They wouldn't dare not. <laughs> there may be question marks then regarding Ben Barnico, though, because, I mean, has he even driven the car? And well, I, did, I don't think there's any doubt that, that, that Carling would apply under force majeure, and I think there's very strong doubt that anybody would really say, no, you're joking, mate, you can't have that. True. Um, yeah, what, well, do you, what do you, you Carling boys know about anything? Tinknell's driven it. Manchester obviously obviously drove it, but uh, Barnico didn't do any mileage in FP1. Um, but he's driven it before, hasn't he? Yes. Yeah, he's driven it before. Yeah, yeah. fine. True. Exactly. And he's quite. He's not like racked up thousands of points a la Roman Grosjean eight, seven or eight years ago. Well, really critically, they're not leading the championship, and their closest rivals aren't the people who are likely to say, "No, you can't be doing that." So you know. If you are a long way ahead in the championship, suddenly force majeure and getting a unanimous vote might be a little <laughs> harder, you know, but that's not the case. I don't, yeah, I realistically, in, in European the field, I'm not sure anybody's going to object. Well, full course yellow remains. Some cars are still choosing to rejoin the circuit, even just yep. to trundle around, which is quite interesting. Um, I'm not sure why they would do that, unless they're worried they're... Their, their speed limit isn't set correctly. Otherwise, it just seems a pointless waste of time. Well, to go part, part of it is that. Part of it also is judging exactly your fuel usage under full course yellow, which is hard to judge if you only sort of just pop into the pits and sit twiddling your thumbs. Uh, all cars to bear left at turn 18. Johnny, which bit of club is turn 18, or which bit of the veil? Has he gone straight on into the veil, almost as if he were going into the pit lane at our end, and not quite? Uh, well, just the, the final right-hander oh. on the track mm, to the okay. start line is, is labelled as turn 18. So 16, 17 is the end of the veil. So he's... I'm assuming slightly around the corner from where I can see. Nobody's tweeted you yet, have they, with pictures uh, from the grandstand opposite? I'll Come on, what, 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 what are you doing in I've that I've got grandstand? about 17 different screens open at the moment. Well, that's why me. you're a technical god. <laughs> technical something or other. 37's got beached. Let's have a look. 37 has got beached with both wheels in the air. And I've got a photograph of it as well here. Thank you, Craig Woolard. Uh, right, no so it, it, it is nosed in to the towards the pits, basically, and mm. got stranded with the front wheels on the grass and the rear wheels skyward. That has all hallmarks of somebody just getting inside him as they start to turn right into Club Corner Element 1 and then sort of spinning him round. And yes, the nose is on the grass, the tail is over the road. However, it needs Michael Kane to go, hang on a minute, lads, I've got a great plan. <laughs> and do something sensible about it. So thank you uh, to Craig, Craig for that. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, there was a drama earlier on as well for Red River Sports Car in the WEC session. That got mm. stranded somewhere. Came together with Old 54. Yes. Uh, oh, we've gone green, green, green. Green, green, green. So car's back up to speed. I suddenly heard a, a become a bit more of a, a proper racing noise. So car's back up to speed. And that suggests that they have retrieved Alexandre Coigny and the Cool Racing number 37 car, although the timing screen immediately disagrees, however we'll allow it to. Full course yellow speeds under investigation, says our timing screen. That is standard operational practice. Don't often get penalties as a result of that. The other reason why cars might have been leaving the pits is just to kind of keep their session alive and also tick off laps, because even if you're restricted to 80k pH, you, you're still 
the laps that you're putting in count towards the driver, five, ten laps that they need to do to qualify for the race, uh, because in ELMS it's just single driver qualifying. Uh, so you throw out your, your hot shoe of your combination to do the, the, the tough work and get the car as high up the grid as possible. And these sessions really are very important in terms of qualifying uh, for the race, putting enough laps in prior to the green flag being waved tomorrow at half past two. So tootling around regardless of the speed, uh, you will uh, get that uh, ticked off nicely. Uh, now, Philippe Albuquerque, fastest, nine laps completed for the number 22 United Autosports car. James Allen is at the wheel of the Dragon Speed car and second fastest, just a tenth of a second between the two. And John Ferrano now with much needed mileage. He was thrown out in the earlier session to, uh, to do a lengthy stint and then the Reds came out almost immediately for the Canadian. So he had to quickly come back to the pit lane. This is a longer run, though, for John Ferrano and RLR M Sport. Might be worth Nick going to United uh, and seeing why that car has only done nine laps. All right, one of them was the fastest, but the Dragon Speed car that's second quickest has done 23 laps. Mm. Um, Sorry, I tuned out there. Which car was that? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing changes, is it? Uh, number 22 Dragon Speed car now, Nick, has just clicked up its 10th lap. The second fastest car has done 23. So number 22 United Autosports. He's only done 10 laps. Why? For why Keats has it only done 10 laps? Well, they're out at the moment. They are out, yeah, you won't find it in the garage. They're trundling around. I expect it's because they, um, they don't want to wear their tyres out. It's possible. And so he wonders why he doesn't get a job. Um, well, I'd appear to have one, to be honest, but uh, <laughs> I will check. That wouldn't be a bad idea. Oh, hang on, no, I'm being escorted as we are. <laughs> They've done fewer laps than any other car in the entire field, other than the number 11 Euro International car, which has done two, count them, two laps. Uh, that's had a lot of international problems we talked about earlier. Mm, uh, okay, uh, if I can find Mr. Halberka, is, uh, is it Philippe in the car or is Philippe? Uh, he's in the car and he's just gone purple in sector one. It's quite warm in there, isn't it? So he's quick, but recalcitrant. Well, or he just doesn't doesn't need to show off. Look, look at me, super fast. You know what I'm doing? <laughs> a bit like me, really. Yeah, absolutely. Very much like you. <laughs> that's, what, that's the first thing I always think when I see Billy Bell because yes. how much like Nick Damon he looks. He's just equally quick in no way whatsoever. Uh, right, I will. Uh, I'll see if Mr. Hansen's around. I can't see him at the moment, and I will ask him why they're not bothering to, uh, to trouble the brand new tarmac at Silverton that much. Well, it might be nice to get a quick chat from Richard Dean. The uh, Christian Reed, Ricardo Pera, Matteo Cairoli trio, who are in the 77 Dempsey Proton Racing Car, no matter what series you look at this weekend, have just been pinged for possible overtaking beyond track limits. And car number 43, the 43 RRM Sport car of Jay Ferrano of this parish, well, actually of Parish of Canada, uh, has been, uh, it will be investigated for possible overtaking under yellow flags in the F full course yellow. So, um, John Ferrano currently four fastest for RLRM Sport, the 43 car, but that car under investigation, and that will presumably uh, cause him a drive-through or stop and, stop and get a penalty of some kind rather than just the loss of a lap in free practice. 
Uh, tyres is an interesting uh, argument from Nick, but it, it's one uh, set of tyres for free practice and then a completely different set or three sets for the qualifying session and the race. So even if you are, you know, limiting your tyre wear over the two free practice sessions, it actually doesn't affect your allocation later on. I suspected he might possibly have been being facetious there. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought that was a genuine point. Okay. No. All right, fair enough. Well, you know, three drivers, that's three laps for them just to do one flying lap each, so that's uh, nine laps at a minimum. Yeah. I've never something I can't spell, and I can't spell facetious. So, uh, <laughs> Sarki. The, 20, the 22 car's in right now, by the way. Yes, yes it's on just arrived. Apron, it? uh, it's still got Felipe Albuquerque uh, on board. Um, he's looking you know, unlikely to pass the car over to me, surprisingly. Um, and they are about to take the nose off, and I expect continue with some setup work. Well, his first and second sectors were purple on that lap, and in fact, the lap time that he has just set on his in-lap is faster than the previous fastest lap of the car. So he has just set a new fastest lap, 144.121, 144.121, lap 11 of 11, i.e. to it and viz, his in-lap. Well, just just he was in a hurry to get you, Nick, to explain I himself. Know, just taken the nose, the, the nose of the car off, uh, looked at something, and then put it back on again uh, without actually adjusting anything. And now they're all standing around in a kind of a relaxed fashion. The uh, lollipop man is leaning on the lollipop in a way in which he appears to want to be the centre spread in a, in, a, in a fashion magazine. He's got that kind of a hey, I'm a bit uh, nonchalant with my uh, lollipop leaning. Uh, and they're waiting for the, uh, the the word for the team to go out. Uh, yeah, so it's it's, it's, it's uh, you know. There's a man from, the, there's a man from Oracle looking buried. Obviously he, he's only got half of the cars in the, in the, kit, in the, in the garage, you see, so he wants to make sure this one works. Well, in, in terms of other cars that have done very few laps, but most of them quite speedily, the number 11 Euro International car, the matte black one that had done almost no laps whatsoever, has now completed four laps in 54 minutes. Now, that is really not making much of an effort. However, they have That's made a bit of an effort. They, they have made a bit of an effort because they've gone fastest of all ah. in LMV3. So Euro International's number 11 car is now on top of the pile after just four laps. That's all it takes. In an hour. You know, that's that's digging in. That's Ben Stokes digging in. And yep. just that's a lot of leaves there. They probably decided they didn't want to do with the point is pounding around laps and just get straight on it. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah let's, let's not lower it with the force and security. Let's just go straight for it. Yeah. Wham, bam, thank you, man. Black and white flag being shown, or will be shown shortly. I can see a man about to show it for car number 20, Anders Fjordbank. That is the high-class racing entry for constant abuse of track limits. I always, so get, I always get the impression that's the driver swearing at the barriers. That does the flicking the Vs as yes. they go by. So that, that doesn't bode well because, because he's already done a full WEC practice session before he came into his second ELMS practice session. He's still not quite sure what the grey stuff is. Yeah, it's only so, so much telling that you can do to a, to a driver, <laughs> isn't there? You're, you're not getting the message even at this point? Yeah. Uh, one guy, I think, to benefit from all the track action we'll have had, both combining WEC and LMS, Thomas Brining now top of the charts in the uh, LMGTE category. So car 88 uh, with the same teammates as he will, will share that car with in WEC. Some yep. late signings there. Gianluca Geraldi and Ricardo Sanchez at Proton Competition. But it is the Austrian driver who's done a 157.080 to now be quickest in the GT category. So, um, 
two of the two, two of the three categories we've had uh, fastest lap times very recently indeed and of course Philippe Albuquerque able to do a, a, his fastest lap on an in lap because the pit lane's halfway around the next lap uh, so you cross the line at the wing that uh, is when he did the 144.121 and then decided to pit straight away I'd be surprised if there's any, there are any concerns from mechanics or engineers from Orica because that car seems to be well and truly in the sweet spot. 82 thousandths of a second quicker than Edex Sports number 28 car. And that time, a 144.203 set by Paul Loup Chatin, who's just handed the 28 Edex Sport car over to Paul Lafargue. And Lafargue goes back out again. They have been pole sitters this year, just yet to win a race, Edex Sport, number 28, but and neatly placed in the championship. And the good news for us this year is that there's only one P. Lafargue in that car, because uh, <laughs> uh, Philippe has been replaced by Memo Rojas. Uh, last year, P. Lafargue only narrowed it down to two-thirds of the driving team and wasn't really much your help. Um, so, uh, Alex Brundle is in the number 32 United Auto Sport car. He's in the car that is currently third quickest. And that is a relatively recent change. Uh, James Allen in the Dragon Speed number 21 car. That's fourth fastest. And fifth fastest, John Ferrano's RLR M Sport car. Rounding out the top six, cool racing with Alexandre Quani. Chastened and probably shaking the gravel out of the car, but still going round. Uh, that is the number 37 car, six quickest. LMP3, Euro International number 11 fastest. In the pits is the number 17 ultimate car, the red and white car of Mathieu Laay. He's now got into the car. Uh, Colin Noble in the blue and white Nielsen Racing number 7 car. He's in the pit lane. He's got into that Norma. Fastest car there in LMP3 is still the Ligier of Euro International, ahead of a couple of Normas. Then another Ligier, United Autosports number 2 car. William Boyd at the wheel of that car and the number six 360 racing car. Uh, that is another Ligier, and that is, I'm losing because the timing screen is, uh, looks like there's a storm going on somewhere at sea, and that is... Uh, 360 racing. Uh, yeah, James Dason. James Dason? James Dason, yeah. Right, as not reflected in the entry list. Because uh, uh, our entry list for three six oh no hang again like with United reading the wrong line on the wrong line yeah it's Wayne Boyd by the way not William Boyd it is Wayne Boyd isn't it yes yeah. why did why did I get Will Boyd in my head anyway not sure no you probably, you probably know Will Boyd fastest of the GT three uh, GTE cars is Proton's number seven uh, number eighty eight it was the number seventy seven car seventy seven is second quickest so it's Porsche one two Ferrari third with Lusic number fifty one. That's the red and white car. Ferrari fourth with the 83 Kessel car. And that is the more purple of the two liveries. I think I'm right in saying. I'm going to have to wait for it to go past. And it is uh, Michaela, not Mike, getting at the wheel at the moment. Um, I, shall, I shall wait until a Kessel Racing Ferrari goes by our box. Talk amongst yourselves. And I shall uh, recalibrate my mental state as to their cars. What, the, the, the difference between the 83 and the 60 cars and, and the yeah. others as well potentially. Uh, Philippe Alcocca is back out on track. His time of 144.121 stands as the quickest. 82 thousandths of a second clear of Edex Sports uh, Orica 07. Paul Lafargue taking that car over from Paul Loup Chatin in the last pit stop. It's Alex Brundle now driving car number 32, which is the Ligier from United Autosports. So two UA cars in the top three uh, currently. I'm a bit confused, but then that's not pretty much default here. Uh, that 
long yellow was caused by the cool racing car? Yes. Oh, it's back. Yes. It's it, in the pits. It's got going again. It, I, I, it, was a, it was a half spin to the right. inside of the track at Club Corner. And I the problem see. was it got beached on the curb, so its rear wheels were up in the air and couldn't go anywhere without Marshall's intervention. So it had to throw a full-course yellow. Right. But it shouldn't be damaged, apart from maybe the underfloor. Because no, I've come in, I've looked at it, and I think that doesn't look like it's covered in, uh, in gravel or anything. So he just managed to get himself in it. So he's going to do a teeter-totter. And that was Alex Kiodny doing that, was it? Kwani. Kwani. That's yeah. Right. I, think he's, I think it's him. Just uh, go uh, with uh, Alex. Yep. Yep. I just walked in. Yep. <laughs> Alex, uh, you gave us uh, a bit of a shadow. What, what, what happened there? Can you hear me? Sorry, we just. Uh, I'm not quite sure. We could hear you. We just couldn't hear Alex. Ah, right. Hang on a second. Sorry, I'll say again. Alex, what happened? I was a little optimistic on, on exit. That's what. And then you, so, so you just spun and got stuck on the curb? You spun and the curb? No, I just spun and then I wanted to get out of the way and I just put my the front wheel on the grass, so I just like, and it actually was on, on the gravel, so I just I couldn't move from Honda. So no damage then? And, and how is the car, how was the car prior to that? Great. No, seriously, it was just good. And it, uh, everything is great. The car is running perfectly, so just we have to work out. It's my first time in Silverstone in the P2, so just have to get used to it. But besides this, it's great. Alex, it's fine. didn't didn't damage it. It's fine. Absolutely. Quite <laughs> there they are actually. Though it looks like they are having a little bit of a, uh, a raise of the ride height at the rear. So that's interesting. Uh, as I don't think it's Nicola Pierre who's got it in the car, so it must be Mr. Borger who's in it. Anthony Borger, yes. Mm. I was wondering whether Alex Quarney ran in that. Do you remember that uh, Silverstone 12 hours, stroke 24 hours? It was a half a GT oh, race and yes. half a TCE race. Oh god, yeah. And it was cold and wet the whole time. It was quite cold and wet and the whole time. And they just resurfaced the track for the first time the bad way and it was leaking the oil so there was no grip either. Yeah, but I, I Great think weekend, great weekend. Wasn't it just? <laughs> I'm going to have to check the entry now and see whether he has experience on the Grand Prix track from those days. But as he said, uh, certainly first chance to experience this Silverstone Grand Prix in a prototype at like double the speed. So that will take some uh, tuning of, uh, of his senses. But thankfully, the car's got back again uh, unskirmished. And, uh, yeah, they'll be sent back out again with Antonin Borger at the wheel. Right, update on how you tell which of the multi-striped Kessel Racing cars is which. The all-female crew car, apart from being able to read the number on the side, obviously, 83 is the all-female car, and that has got more redder red stripes, and the other car looks bluer, so the, with the red stripes on the blue background, the... the uh, 83 car looks a little bit more purple, but it's got brighter red stripes, and the and it's quicker than the 60 car at the moment. So, so does that mean? Because I've got the colour schemes from Le Mans. Does the 60 car not really look like that anymore? Because I that works well that on radio. They had some orange stripes on it. Uh, that works Mans, really yeah. well on radio. And then 83. The 60 car looks basically bluer, but has, because has the 83 sort of pink stripes and pink door mirrors, and they're, but they're much brighter than it looks like in your little booklet right. there. They really zing out at you. Yeah, so they have revised them, of yeah, course, since, yeah. uh, since what, two months ago, two and a bit months ago. Well, what happens often is a designer designs something on a laptop and everybody goes, ooh and ah, and then you look at it on camera and go, oh, no. that's anonymous, isn't it? And then you go, right, let's go back to the drawing board and try again. Um, the, uh, that may be the case. The oh, I hear car, certainly remind, I'm now standing by the 83 car, bought it down, looks uh, very similar to how it did at the Mon. It basically, it's a uh, pink, blue and black zebra, isn't it? Uh, the interesting thing is, the amount of black to pink and blue gets greater as you go towards the back of the car. 
So it's more thicker blue. The, the, the pink stripe is always the same length, and then it kind of the thickness of the black gets greater at the back, whereas the, the uh, thickness of the blue stripe gets thinner from the nose to the tail. That's obviously the Doppler effect working Yes, there. exactly. It's either that or it's just a, a, a hard day at the office. Now, the uh, the other car's not here, so I can't see. So it looks completely different because it doesn't exist. It's just gone past me. The other car looks bluer, and the girl's car looks a sort of pinkier or purpler. Yeah, I would expect that when they're static, they probably look very, very different. When they're absolutely going at 100 miles an hour, possibly the, uh, the stripes will begin to blend slightly, won't they? Especially with our old eyes, Martin. Exactly so, dear boy. Exactly. Lisa, who said that? Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's one of those that things. In your ears, in your one head. of those things when you're standing with a team in front of the garage door, saying, "Yes, look, uh, it does. Uh, the stripes are completely different." They say it's not doing 130 miles an hour in the rain past a camera that's 50 feet away and out of focus. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> they never are, even in 150 miles an hour in the rain. Uh, it, yes. And, and we, we will have those conversations about cars in, uh, in yeah, multi-car lineups in WEC as well, identifying which of, say, the Aston Martins is which, or which of, say, the Porsches is which, or any number of uh, multi-car lineups where a designer has decided that indecipherability of the car is prime among his concerns. You don't see it coming that way, you see, so you don't know who's beating you. You can't see who you're racing. Well, I always say to the driver, look, if you, I can't tell which the cars are, then I'm obviously going to slag you off for doing something that your teammate's done stupid. <laughs> and race control may be in the same boat. Oh, yeah. Didn't think about it's that. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is a new fastest time at the top of uh, the timing screen, and this is again from Philippe Albuquerque. So United Autosports, Orica number 22, doing a 143.175 on its 15th lap of the session. Cars beneath it on the screen, 28 laps, 24 laps, 23 laps completed, but it's clearly about quality, not quantity. Phil right Hansen not going to drive that car very much, do we think? Uh, you see, what, a comment from Philippe earlier on today is that, well, I did most of the running in session one for ELMS, which was then red flagged after 30 mm. minutes, so we really do need to give the car to Phil Hansen for, for the majority of FP2, but... I don't remember him at the wheel. <laughs> See, once Albuquerque's superglued the door handle yeah. and shut it behind him, then until he runs out of fuel, mind you, he is back in the garage again. But as you say, 143.1, fastest lap, so he's now no longer 78 thousandths ahead of the IDEX Sport car. He is a full second ahead of the IDEX Sport car, which is also in the pit lane but is no longer second fastest because I was just watching an orange car go by a couple of minutes ago thinking, I wonder what's up with G-Drive. Why are they down in the teens in LMP2? Well, they no longer are their second fastest in an LMP2. That's a lap that has just been set a couple of laps ago by Jean-Eric Van. Again, he's just taken the car back over from Roman Rusinov. Jeff started the session. He ended the last session in which Rusinov didn't drive, I don't think. Um, so the two of them have definitely driven. Uh, have we seen Jot van Eiter in the car yet? I don't remember saying his name. Rusinov certainly didn't drive it in the first free practice Maybe session. Maybe Jot did then. Yes, he did. Okay. Uh, five laps I have him down as doing. Mind you, they haven't exactly been wearing out the componentry in this sector this session, so that might have been most of their running. Five laps and Vern did... 12. That's got his name right. 12, yes. Yeah, so third did, fastest. So yeah. they did 17 in half an hour, 
uh, we've been going an hour, and they've done 50, uh, uh, no, 29. Okay, so that, that's, that's relatively par for them. It's about six and over, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they did far more, well, Vern did far more than everybody else around him at the sharp end of FP1 times. Albuquerque, six laps completed in the early portion of the day. Ben Hanley just five, and Richard Bradley did seven in his Duquesne engineering car. Duquesne fifth fastest in this session with Pierre Rag now at the wheel of that uh, car run by Gilles Duquesne's outfit. And Duquesne will be a new name for one of the LMP3 chassis debuting in the 2020 season, won't it? Now, what, which car does that replace? Norma, isn't it? Norma becoming Duquesne uh, for the next bout of LMP3s. I have big news. Go on. Philippe Alvacourt has been pri-armed, primed, pride, pride, what is it? Prized. Prized, that's the word. God, yeah, he's hot down here. He's basically, he's been told to get out of the car. Uh, he's done his business, the work, and uh, in his got for Lanson, and they are just waiting to release the car again, uh, the 22. It's got a lollipop man in a more active state. That little shush you may have heard is it coming off its jacks, and it'll be accelerating weight any second now. And it's uh, the machine going on. Bop, as they say. Very good. One for the kids there. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bill Hansen uh, finally getting some time behind uh, this new car. And it is a different chassis, we should make the point, from the one being used in the World Endurance Championship. The one in, the, in WEC is a brand new Orica, whereas these are, what's a second hand, but uh, uh, obtained from American squad JDC Miller. The term you're looking for is pre loved. Pre loved. That's, that's what they say now whenever you're buying a second hand car. It's been pre loved uh, by four 17 year olds who've been ragging it around a car park <laughs> in a loving way. And to Nick Damon. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm very much of the, I'm a lover not a fight for my car these days. You know, too, many, too many speed cameras. Can, can your TR actually trouble speed cameras? Uh, uh, genuinely, uh, uh, two years ago, when I had a 140 horsepower motorcycle, a 505 horsepower uh, Alfa Romeo, got a speeding ticket in the TR. 36 to 30, the reason being, the speedo oscillates way more than 10 miles an hour, so I had no idea what speed I was doing. The reason being, it was downhill and the engine had momentarily cut out, allowing the car to actually gain speed. Well, in fairness, that would have been true a couple of years previously, but I had the engine completely professionally rebuilt. And uh, she's now pushing 140 horsepower. Uh, Very good. I told you the story. The guy phoned up and said, uh, uh, "Yeah, he said, oh, we'll, we'll talk about a couple of the engines." He said, yeah, "I never cease to be amazed by these engines." I thought, "Oh wow, 50 years old and it's fantastic." He said, "Yeah, your camshaft was completely circular." <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, it was just trundling along. And he said, "I reckon you're probably getting about 50 horsepower top whack." And so, so yeah, so when I go back and it's been rebuilt, it was rather good. Uh, I think the other Kessel cars coming. Is it the, uh, the girls again? I'm not sure. Um, that is... Oh, that's the girl car again. I'm just kidding. Which so yes, is now uh, up to second fastest in GTE. Yes. So Michaela Gatting has uh, put in a nice stint. Uh, that's ahead now of Christian Reed in the 77 Dempsey Proton car. The 88, the fastest Porsche, is the Proton car, which has now got Ricardo Sanchez at the wheel. That's his first time in the car as well. Lucic with... Uh, uh, they're in the pits as well, the 51 Lusic car and Nick Nilsson uh, in that car. Uh, currently in the pits, Fabian Leverne. Don't think he's driven that yet, has he, the Frenchman? Don't uh, think he has. Possibly not in this session, no. no. Sandro Pierre Guidi did a little bit in the first session. Uh, Nick Nilsson's mm. done a fair stint in this one. Yeah, and neither Nick or Fabian got their hands on that car in session one. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised they haven't 
had the chance in, in session two because they're so far behind on the schedule. But well, 48 minutes left. They can stick him in for remaining 48 minutes yeah. now that everybody else has had their their thrash and you know worn it out and used up all the tyres. <laughs> Fill it full of fuel and get him send him out to get him to do a race run. Yes, it's time for that yeah, certainly. Yeah. And I would imagine he's going to be given the opening stint, uh, as has been the case uh, three previous occasions this season, and brings the car in to then be handed to, to Nicholas Nielsen with a often a very chunky lead of yes. 30 or 40 seconds. He doesn't disgrace himself in opening stints, does he? Not at all. Not at no. all. I decided to do my job and actually interview someone. Is that all right? Go on. Uh, a couple of people, a couple of the teams are showing you chassis and they've changed their entire. Liege to Oric, and one of those is Panis Barthes, and with uh, Will Stevens. Will, it's a, it's a big, big weekend for the team with the new chassis. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we haven't run the car yet, so, um, you know, it's always difficult for a team to put a new car down, but you can see in LMP2 there's a clear advantage to uh, in an Orica. Um, so the team wanted to try and to see what we have, so uh, it looks positive so far. It's really difficult out there to get a clear lap, but... The feeling straight away is quite is quite positive, so we're looking forward to see what we can do at the weekend. Were you, from your assessments, able to work out why theoretically the Oracle was quicker? Is it, is it more downforce? Is it better downforce to drive? What was the reason it was faster? I think there's a few things. You know, it's not just one thing. Um, you know, when the Ligier is good, it's quick. You know, last year here I was on pole. We were on pole by six, seven tenths in a Ligier, so there's, you, you know, the Ligier is still a good car and you can make it work. Um, it's just finding that sweet spot is difficult and we think now with the, the window should be bigger, so let's wait and see. Um, it looks like the car will have a bit more downforce for sure, but yeah, we're still working away and let's see where we, where we get to. You are racing against many teams have had this car for effectively a couple of years. I mean, is it, is it possible to catch up in one meeting or is it just in many ways almost damage limitation? Yeah, I mean, Orica supply us already with, uh, you know, with some ideas of where most teams are going to. So it's not starting from a completely clean, clean slate. You know, each team has their own individual way they want to work with the car. So we have to create our own, our own way. And you know, you can see United have put the car down on a quick straight away. So practice is always hard to to tell. People run low fuel or whatever. So come quality tomorrow, I'm confident we'll be near the front. New surface at Silverstone, the track you obviously know ridiculously well. Is, is it as good as everyone says? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're very high grip. Um, there's a significant grip difference to before. Um, the bumps are a bit better. Uh, the problem is now, you know, every every car series you run with, with downforce, you want to be as low as you can. So when you run low, you use the floor a lot and you create bumps and stuff. So. For sure, it's smoother, but the biggest thing for me is the is the increase in in track grip is is significant. You've now kind of embraced the the endurance world, you know, be it, be it GT3s or be it these machines here. Did you, did you ever miss being uh, in charge of your own car in a single seater? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, single seaters was a while ago now. I'm getting old, so. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, single seaters, you can create everything for yourself. You know, the biggest thing is, you know, seat fit, stuff like that is always hard um, to get. Everything. It's a compromise, you know, uh, especially for me. We, you know, Julian, my teammate, is tall, so it's difficult to always fit you in the car. But, you know, it's nice it's in a working environment to have someone else sharing the same experience with you. So um, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. It's a, 
you know, now I'm making a good career for myself and I, I'm glad that I am where I am now. We've been asking a few of the more established drivers today, what's the, what's the best racing car they've actually driven? So what's your, what's your favourite racing car you've ever been in? I think there's different cars for different things. I think in pure pure speed and grip, the, the Formula Renault World Series 3.5 car was uh, to drive is amazing. It's got you know so much downforce. It's underpowered, but so much downforce. So in terms of where the limit is at, it's you know in terms of pushing hard, that's that's well up there. So um, you know the the racing side of endurance racing is very good, even in G, GT3 stuff. So there's a lot of different things for different categories, um, but pure driving with a lot of downforce is the, is the World Series 3.5 car. Brilliant, thank you Will. There's two votes now for over downforce underpowered cars of different types, you see? That's what these yeah. guys like. Well those World Series cars were phenomenal, definitely for the drivers, uh, but again with all that downforce quite hard as a racing overtaking car. Full course yellows are out, uh, which is why Nick could hear himself as well as Will for a moment or two there. Uh, there was a car off at Abbey, turn one as it's otherwise known, uh, so full course yellow out for that. So I'm assuming off on the outside and either buried in the tyres or buried in the gravel. Again, at Blackpool Johnny, J-O-N-N-Y, with your photographs and information. Because until we get cameras up for tomorrow, we are uh, looking out of a small window, a large window, but at a small area of the track and a uh, partially constructed hotel. It's it'll, quiet, it'll, isn't it? it will have come on a lot uh, in the year's time. Yeah, it will. D certainly, but uh, it's a good start. Now, showing on our timing screen, I'm going to name names here. Tenth in LMP3, car number nine for real team racing, David Drew, shown as stopped. My money would be on him. Oh, look, car nine, please leave the gravel out of the track. That's him. So he has been rescued, but is uh, spreading gravel as if it's uh, going to be a heavy snow tonight. Please please leave the gravel in the trap and don't bring it out onto the, onto yeah. the circuit, in other words. So it, That's difficult to do, isn't it? Well, please don't rejoin the circuit. When you go off at Abbey, there is a lot of tarmac on the outside yeah. before you get back to the complex. Um, so that's what they're suggesting, is don't immediately come back on the racing line. Shake it all out on the runoff area. Shake it all out. Thank you, Taylor. We're getting through the that's musical references. The <laughs> that's, that's at least two decades more relevant than Nick's, and even that's <laughs> pathetically irrelevant. True. So well, it serves to spice things up a bit, I suppose, and vary things, where we were trying to work our way through a two-hour session when uh, the earlier one was uh, curtailed somewhat by an hour because of a red flag. We haven't had a full stoppage to this session, but this is now the second full course yellow because of, first of all, the 37 car stricken at turn 18, and now David Drew with a slight off-track moment. Uh, many of you watching in that area will have seen it uh, far better. Well, will have seen it full stop. We didn't. <laughs> Therefore, far better than us. Yes. <laughs> uh, but the car, hopefully, not too badly damaged or damaged at all. And, yeah, Drew now needing to be relatively skillful in losing as many stones as possible off the racing line before it uh, tootles its way, presumably, back to the Heritage Pits. The number 60 Hublot-backed Ferrari heading past with its orange stripes and various tones of blue on it as well as we try and work out exactly what colour scheme that car carries. That's the boys. 
That's the boys. Yeah, and the girls coming past right behind with uh, more pinker stripes. So it, it gives a, gives the blue background a slightly purpler look. But, uh, yeah, the boys have got a slightly sort of uh, orangey uh, colour and the girls have got a pinker the, colour. The, they're exactly the same with the black and the blue stripe. It's yep. just that the girls have a pink stripe and the boys have a uh, an orange stripe, which yep. isn't the most massively diverse colour combination when they're, they're whizzing around. So I, th I think you'll find if you talk to the designer, they're enormously different. Yes, it's Pantene 3718 orange and uh, pink, pink flamingo 262. Don't you know? Yeah. He, well, well, yeah, but it's not going 100 miles an hour. It's not going through a, a TV screen that's not got perfect colour representation, which Bloom will have. You see, designers may throw their hands in the air when they see the Oregon car, but I always rejoice when I see Oregon on the entry list because I know you'll be able to see it at the dead of night from the dark side of the moon. Yes, many because they'll be watching it going past and throwing up, but uh, <laughs> yes, it's possible. <laughs> Technicolor yawn colour schemes always work. That is true. Uh, most cars are out and about. A few, as you could hear there from Nick's microphone, uh, meandering in and out of the pit lane. This is a suitable opportunity were you to need to, to come in and change drivers over. 22 and 23, uh, the United and Panis Bartes car going by nose to tail. Just hearing from Will Stevens, the uh, Panis Bartes driver, will also drive, of course, in WC this weekend, also in LMP2, also in an Orica. So there's a, a you know a distinct crossover there with that one driver for the team, where he can go, ah, oh, well, we've done this with our WEC car, so why don't we do that with that, because that actually feels like it might be more user-friendly. And part of the deal, of course, with, with European Le Mans series is the car needs to be relatively user-friendly, because having it set up for a platinum or a gold driver isn't much use when the bronze driver has to do quite a lot of the mileage as well. He, you want something that the, the gentleman drivers can deal with and then the pros can definitely deal with. No back to green. Yeah, we are. Back to green and uh, still 38 minutes left on the clock. Uh, uh, Nicky Kadai is uh, a new signing for Kessel Racing in the 60 car, joining Sergio Pianazzola and... Is it Giacomo Puccini then, rather than Andrea? Because it says Andrea on our entry list. It, but it, was it a said G, G on the timing screen, so I'm guessing Giacomo rather than Andrea, but yes. uh, it still says G on the timing screen. Yeah, it is Giacomo yeah. Puccini who did the times earlier on. But Nicky Caddy, not been not taking part in an ELMS race or indeed a Le Mans series race for 10 years. What? Yeah. What? So, yeah, he did Le Mans in 2012, and the last time he was in the ELMS stroke LMS mm. was in 2009 in a Farnbacker racing Ferrari. So he's been not here almost, he's been absent almost as long as Tommy of the Erdos. Uh, uh, yes, which is 2010, wasn't it? 2011 that he said he, mm. he was last racing a prototype. Mm. Uh, so I knew Kadar hadn't done any of this season. Well, he hasn't done any of the previous nine seasons <laughs> either. <laughs> so memories. welcome back. Uh, actually, last race in 2009 here at Silverstone, um, which was a 1,000-kilometre race. The Autosport 1,000-kilometre race. So, a decade since his last race. We used to do back those. at the same Yeah, and we used to do those from the, from the old old comms boxes uh, going round uh, just in front of the, the start-finish stroke. Or oh, in, uh, in, in those days, of yeah. course, otherwise known as the comms boxes. They were the comms boxes, yes, indeed. Yes. Uh, the number nine car has uh, got itself back. Uh, they, it, doesn't, it hasn't dropped much uh, gravel. A few a few bits have fallen onto the... Uh, the uh, floor of the pit, uh, driver's staying on board, and it looks like they, they, or they're going to plug something in, they're going to give them an excuse and say that something electrical is wrong with the car. Uh, but yeah, 
Yeah, so they are having a look around it, but it's, it's got no visible damage. It just needs a bit of a clean-up and a, a Henry Hoover vacuum, I think. Stop and go uh, will be coming your way shortly, Nick. Uh, the number of the car has disappeared off the timing screen. I'm looking down at the marshals. I can see the back of a board that says stop and go. What I can't see is the back of a board. I think it says number 24. I think that is the Panis Bartes competition car of Konstantin Tereshenko. Uh, the penalty, though, has been applied for constant abuse of track limits. So, obviously, clearly flicking the Vs every time you went by. Um, and it, the deal with these is that it's cumulative for the car, but for the driver. So, if you get in and your teammate has gone one shy of being penalised, the first time you abuse track limits, you don't automatically get penalised. You start building up your own um, naughty boys list, if you like. So, uh, you don't... It's, it's not like you get in and you inherit a speeding in the pit lane uh, penalty that your teammate has thoughtfully gained for you. Um, it, it, you, you have to gain your own abuse penalties. That's probably not a phrase that I really wanted to go to, is it? But there we go. That's well, the way it came it's, out. It's worth making the point, though. Uh, yeah, so... Um, I mean, still, still the engineer will need to keep tabs on where everyone is up to, effectively. And, you know, you've had nine of your ten chances, but you've only had two of them. Yeah. <laughs> Might be useful come the end of the race if uh, that driver is put in for the final stint to go as quick as they can. I can't remember whether ELMS cars have the same data screen system that the World Endurance cars have, where they are flagged up, they have the little screen inside that tells them what the flag signals are, and also that allows race control to inform that they are uh, abusing track limits at a certain corner. Um, race control can use that safety system to tell all the drivers, some of the drivers, or one particular car, a particular piece of information. Uh, and I don't know whether that is currently in use in ELMS. I suspect not it sure. possibly is, but I haven't stuck my head inside an ELMS cockpit in a while to be able to see. No, I can't answer that question. Well, certainly something to, to look out for, though, um, overnight. Mm. can put the question into Jeff Carter and others. Uh, with... Uh, yeah, more and more information becoming available to the driver in real time as well. And uh, I'm covering a recent DTM round at uh, Brands Hatch, noticing that uh, most of those cars now carry rear-facing cameras. And rather than an actual rear-view mirror, which hangs from the roof, it sits down on the dash. It's still a, a rear-view mirror shape, but is actually an image being beamed to the driver from the camera on the back. So, it's, And that's staple practice now for, for Ferrari, certainly. Uh, in uh, WEC. Do the Porsches have rear-facing cameras and screens as well? Possibly not. Uh, Porsches have got mirrors. Uh, I did. I was looking to see how I was going to tell the two Toyotas apart, and I thought, oh, I'll have a... Uh, they don't have mirrors. <laughs> Their mirrors are now fed into the rear uh, uh, trailing edge of the wing, so you can't actually see a separate mirror. Right. The wing just covers the top of it, so, yeah, that doesn't work. So, in fact, you can identify which Toyota is which if you can't see the number on the side by uh, the clear difference in a strip that's fully two inches deep and for about three inches wide across the top of the cockpit. Great. Thanks for that, boys. I really appreciate the fact that these teams go to such great efforts to distinguish the two cars. It's almost like somebody's doing it deliberately, isn't it? <laughs> you know, if, we, if we were even remotely influential, I would suspect that, but we're not. Ben Hanley's just gone quicker, as has uh, Ollie Pla, but I reckon Hanley was slower than Pla before either of those two laps were put in, and the net result is that the Mancunian leaps above the Frenchman. So Dragon Speed up to third position now, 
And fourth place is Pla for the Algarve Pro Racing outfit from Portugal. Pretty much based at uh, the Algarve Circuit on the south coast of Portugal. And so car 25 improving in time but losing a position. And actually Hanley and Pla not done yet because they're uh, still continuing to improve again on the very next lap. 32 minutes of this two-hour session still to go. And Pla's actually going to pit partway around the next lap. But Hanley stays out. Yeah, Ben Hanley in that number 21 Dragon Speed car at the moment. The white car with the blue stripe all the way from nose to tail with the stars in it. Uh, denoting Elton Julian, the team boss's American heritage. Uh, that car has completed 40 laps. Ben is on the car's 41st lap. No other car in the field has done as many. Next closest, 37 for G-Drive and for the number 10 Oregon, uh, for number 7 Oregon car in LMP3. So pit stop time or pit time for Dragon Speed has been near to zero, certainly compared to other cars. So nobody still in single digits of laps completed. They're all up into the... I was going to say high 20s, early 30s, but in fact, Dempsey Proton 77 Porsche has only done 23 laps. And the United Autosports number 22 car, which is still fastest of the lot, has only done 24. Uh, so too is the high class car, but that's had a couple of issues, hasn't it? 16 laps only for the fastest car in LMP3. That's the number 11 Euro International car. That's the matte black one, isn't it? Uh, Jens Peterson at the wheel of that car. So Hanley continuing his run up the order. That's two very impressive laps back to back now. One gave him third fastest, now up to second fastest in car 21. And Roman Rusinov falling down the other way in the Aris 01. There's only now just shy of two tenths of a second separating car 22, United Autosports, and car 21 for Dragon Speed. Both on Michelin tyres. Dunlop shod cars, though, third and fourth. 26 G-Drive, 25 Algarve Pro. And then... And still at G-Drive, no Jan van Eutert. Because no. Rusinov was in, Jev got in briefly for a handful of laps, and Rusinov is back in, so no van Eutert. Hello, guys. Hello. I've decided to talk to my, my, my favourite person in the pit lane. Uh, can you guess who it is? Not a driver. Is it the ice cream man? <laughs> nope, it's, uh, it's Nick Manassian <laughs> from iDexport. Nick, uh, like a number of teams who've come, uh, come this weekend, you're running two separate chassis in your two different cars. That's uh, A, a challenge, um, but why? <laughs> uh, it's a challenge just because uh, when the team started uh, in 2017, they added the, the Ligier chassis already. And then as the year went on, 2018, we moved to two cars. And we took the Eureka chassis as we thought it was the better one to get uh, for the other, other crew. And, and then, you know, you have to invest for another car if you want another car. So at the moment we run it like this, we have to see how he uh, develops in the future. But we have enough, uh, enough knowledge of this car to run this one. And the other car is kind of a different ent entity, different engineers on both cars. So it's okay, we manage very well. Yes, of course, yeah, yeah. For, for sure, it's not the ideal situation. But as we grow as a team, slowly and slowly, to uh, from one car to two car, we have to equip ourselves with what is needed in spare. So we have what is needed now. 
I'd export uh, a growing uh, concern. We see you uh, in Creventic, we see you here. I mean, I mean, what are the plans moving forward for IDEC? I think the plan is very much more of the same, but uh, in, uh, in trying to optimize a little bit more the car, the team, optimize the, um, the competitiveness of the, of the team, because I think it's very, it's very competitive everywhere you go. And you want to do some results because that's what makes you excited, that's why we're here. But uh, to try as well to keep the, what we have is a family and friendly environment where everybody's having fun. Because first of all you do this because you love it. And it shouldn't be a headache, you know. But uh, yeah, otherwise it's, it's a disaster. But uh, no, we, uh, we will grow. We have, we have different plans maybe in the future, but uh, it's, it's not a massive difference. Uh, we just try to grow uh, slowly but uh, surely. Within the, the ELMS, how, how would you sum up your season so far with the two cars? Yeah, the season is very good, you know, in one car we have uh, three gentlemen always sharing the car. So it's a different uh, attitude, but uh, the same preparation. Because, you know, it's not because they're gentlemen and you should uh, forget about what they do. Uh, their plan them is to run a good race and having fun and to be uh, uh, maybe in the bronze category to be the best ones. And on the other car, we're trying to, uh, to, to, to move a little bit more. We finished third last year. Right now, we're second in the championship. We are, um, I think the plan will be to try to win a race before the end of the season. That will be a good, uh, a good reward for the work we've done. Winning a championship is always there. Because we have a, it's a short championship, so if anything happens to anybody and you're there, you pick up the point. But let's say that finish on the podium again would be a, a great way to finish up the season. Talk about yourself personally, Nick, we've got a couple of, uh, of older guys. Like, uh, Tommy Ernest has come back after seven or eight years off, back to competitive racing. Are we going to see you in a, a top flight car anytime soon? Sorry? Are we going to see you back back in the, in the actually in the driving seats in a competition soon? I am. I, I have never retired, and I will never retire. I'm just decided, and actually, this is something I love doing, and uh, I enjoy my new role. Um, and when I get the opportunity and the time to drive, then I jump on, and I will be there. So yeah, you will see me. You see me in Creventic. I race with um, with DJ at uh, Barcelona. And if there is other opportunity, I will do. Yeah. If he doesn't make my job on the other side of the world, a uh, problem. I mean, uh, we're talking. Uh, I, I, I don't know how old you are, Nick. But obviously, once you get to a certain age, you, you drop down a, a, a rating, don't you? you? Become very attractive, I think, for other teams. Yeah. I mean, I'm still platinum, so I need to, to drop one more. And when I'm 50, I will be. Uh, I will be attractive. Yeah. It's a bit of a shame to sing like this, you know. But look, I have had a, I've had a lots of. I've been lucky. I've had a great career. I've had a, I've raced great cars, so I shouldn't be uh, bitter that I'm not racing much. I'm doing something else that I enjoy. So um, he's got all is good. Talk about that. I mean, good chances. But look back. What is what is the best racing car you've driven? What's the car you've enjoyed racing the most? The one you can win race with, so, you know, so he's, he's, there is many cars, I've drove many, so each and every one I've done, I've, I have, uh, my, my, the way I'm doing it is like, you need to enjoy yourself when you are behind the wheel, and when you're like this, you kind of perform, and that's what we're trying to install here as well, you know, because is that first of all, it's your passion, that's why you're doing it, and if you enjoy your passion, you are actually better than you think you are, actually, so... 
now the best car I don't know uh, William Stefan was great because he was a winning car IndyCar Champ Car Peugeot 908 XJR 14 uh, Group C Horica uh, you know there's many I couldn't pinpoint one how can you choose from those thank you very much indeed thank you there's yeah, some, that, there's some car name dropping. Bit of a CV. Blimey. Uh, I don't feel bad now to tell you, tell you Nick, that he's 46. Uh, I was going to hold that I back. Thought but he was about, I, must admit, I thought he was 48 or 49, yeah, so he's a bit yeah. younger. Hey, he's got, yeah. 47 next decade. February, so, uh, so three, three and, and, three and, and a bit years. Away, and then they'll be all over him. Yeah. Does, he go, does he go to gold? Does he go straight to silver no, at that point? he dropped to silver, yeah, because yeah, platinum and gold are kind of the same, so you wouldn't drop to gold, you'd drop yeah. all the way to silver. Full course yellow, uh, mm. Roman Rusinov has spun the G-Drive number 26 car again just round Cow Corner out of our sight in club, the final corner, so turn 18. There was double waved yellows and they've had to go full course yellow, so sounds like uh, a near repetition or repetition uh, of uh, Alex Quani's little uh, tête à deux. So he has brought out the double yellows. No penalty for that, other than the fact that you spend a lot of time beached and then have to get rescued and everything else, but nobody else is getting much driving well, in. Can I just say that was a brilliant uh, mishmash of uh, things there, wasn't it? Tete de. Tete de. or pas de deux. Pas de deux. Tete de, I think. <laughs> what it is now is that it's in the official havenry. It's heat buttered it. That's what he's done. There are, as the Russian would be. <laughs> there are many French speakers here at Silverstone this weekend. Well, Martin, not one of them. I am, I am a French, I am a mangler of many languages. <laughs> and English being my most mangled. <laughs> As demonstrated today, folks, and for the rest of the week now. Followed by... Don't <laughs> uh, back out now, Johnny. You're fully committed. I was. Up the inside. Way, no, all I the can't, way down I the corridor of I'm uncertainty with that. Out one. of the throttle, and <laughs> you're back in front. Um, at Safe Phil, who is sitting in the Beckett's... Uh, sitting at Beckett's, I thought you were saying the grandstand there. Uh, no idea what's going on with the timetable right now. Well, yeah. you and me both, frankly. Uh, it's, it, this is all because we are behind from the earlier ELMS session where we lost the best part of an hour, basically. A 90-minute session turned into just 30 minutes. So this has become a two-hour session, which started on time at 2.45 and will run until 4.45. Then, by my reckoning, we're going to have 15 minutes downtime before the World Endurance Championship session starts. At 5. At 5, which is yeah. 30 minutes later than planned, isn't it, on the original time? So, but it's like he's turned on BBC Two, and the cricket is still on that was on before... Yeah. Uh, you know, Antiques Roadshow repeat. Yeah. And he's going, well, what's happened here? Well, yeah. the cricket's still on. That's there you go. Exactly. Come on. Up to speed. <laughs> Not hard. Cars are going round. Uh, which cars, though? Uh, well, it's still ELMS and will be until uh, quarter two. So another 23-odd minutes, 22 minutes and counting. Uh, and our third full-course yellow. So they will yes. have lost a dozen laps or so, probably, of potential running, uh, which is almost as many as United Autosports have done in total. By the way, that doesn't mean we're going to just run an hour-long session for WEC. We can run till 6.30, and I think possibly will. later than that. No, so we are it's going, going to be to. the normal length session for WEC. It'll just start half an hour later. That's so, right. Yeah. Yeah. So start at 5, finish at 6.30. Accordingly. Um, at which time, obviously, the uh, vil uh, bells of the village green clock will be ringing for opening time. They will? Hey, that's perfect timing. Yeah, perfect timing. Phil had also reported that the G-Drive car was slow near to him. This is five minutes ago. Yeah, and that stopped And that's the, what, that's the reason yeah. why we've got... Yeah, see, so if I'd looked at the Twitterage... So, he's, he's, so uh, Roman Rusinov has obviously crept through Beckett's, where Phil is seated in the sunshine, and has got as far as not quite far enough. I have a driver. Excellent, go I on. I have the driver. I have Felipe Albuquerque. 
<laughs> Felipe, um, that was quite an impressive uh, first stint there. You didn't do many laps. They're all blinking quick. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's been a great day so far. Like three sessions, uh, three times on the top one on P1, and uh, the car is going great. So we are just still adjusting and fine bits. Uh, the tires are not the same between WEC and LMS. Uh, I was pretty happy now with the car here. Uh, so, yeah, uh, just a bit confusing with the traffic and the yellow flags and red flags. The team, of course, getting used to the Orica chassis. I mean, is it something you can bring um, some help with that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm bringing all the experience that I know from the track. I mean, even if the track is a bit different, it's more smooth, but still has some key points that it's like bumpy that you need to be realized. So what to do for that? Uh, we're all learning about the car, obviously, the driver with the, with the mechanic, with engineers. Uh, but I must say, it's it's being a great job by them because so far we didn't have major problems. It's just like minor things to adjust. But uh, let's see if the other guys are hiding games or not. But uh, so far, it, it looks okay. I mean, they are supposed to be all racing cars, but how different is a Liger P2 from an Orica P2? Uh, well, it's it's very different, especially because uh, initially we were only supposed to have like the, the Orica for the WEC, and then um, we tried it in, in Barcelona, and I said to them, look, there's going to be so much of a difference between them, and to do race in LMS with Liger and then Orica, the other one, it's we might compromise both of them. So they did a massive job, like no holidays for anyone in United. But um, but you're popular. <laughs> yeah, it's just so. Uh, but they did great job by having a second car here. We just did the rollout in the free practice one. Uh, but again, it's it's very different. Like uh, I would say, the yeah, is more mechanical. But again, it's the whole package. It's totally different. A big, a big team and a big garage, I mean, does it, is that an advantage or is it just still the case that it's just a few people focusing on your cars or can you take strength from the other people around? Well, if you don't have an organized team, yes, it's, a, it's an, a, not an advantage. It can get spread out with great mechanics all spread out through the, great, through the cars. But uh, that's the thing that United has been doing really, really well by having so many cars, like two LMP3s, two LMP2s in the LMS and another one in the WEC and have great mechanics in the level that you know nothing is failing on the car and as well Gary our engineer he's super busy obviously is having uh, some data guys and s support engineers that are doing a great job so far so let's see tomorrow in the race because the, the strategy is going to be key. So is the P2 competition in the WEC or in the ELMS stronger which has got the stronger P2 feel? I really don't know how to tell you um, both of them are really really strong I think in WEC there is less cars, but the ones that are in there, like at least you have very five very good cars. So uh, and in the WEC, or you know, in LMS, if you do a mistake and if something happens to you, you will fall completely out of the top ten because there is more cars and. Um, yeah, it's hard to say, to be honest. Like, less but good ones, and in the LMS, the same is good. Uh, obviously, there is some cars that are not as competitive. Do you enjoy being in the LMS more, though, because you're the fastest car there? Because obviously, when you're in the WEC, you're being overtaken by the P1s as well. Well, I like to be always the fastest car on track. And uh, and secondly, I, I swear to you, uh, I really don't care where I am. I just want to be P1 wherever I go. <laughs> Felipe, thanks very much. Well done. Thank you.
Yeah, from his uh, speed in free practice, you would never have guessed that, would you? <laughs> he does like going quickly. Phil Hansen is at the wheel of the 22 United car. And uh, yeah, confirmation, we've seen pictures now from the inside of Club Corner where Roman Rusinov pulled the G-Drive car off. And we did hear, didn't we, uh, from our Twitter spondent that uh, he oh, was in. chugging slowly through Beckett's. Uh, obviously, the Beckett Cessna, unfortunately, are only just past the heritage pits that ELMS is using, so it's a long way back, and clearly the car made it about halfway and uh, had to be recovered. Hence the full course yellow. We're now back to green, so we won't see 16 minutes. Now we're not going to see the G-Drive car back out again. It'll take that long to get it back to the other side of the circuit on the flatbed, unload it, uh, hit it with a stick until it starts running again, and then... Uh, they'll be getting it ready for bed for tonight. Uh, that car, though, third fastest. It's going to be an entertaining qualifying battle. United's 22 car definitely in the mix. Dragon Speed always. G-Drive always. IDEC, the 28 car, always in the mix. Graf 39, they've had a pole this year already. Uh, the number 25 Algarve Pro car should be right in there as well. There's no sign in that little lineup of uh, Panis Bartes. You would think the 24 car would probably be in with a shout there as well. Well, mm. uh, you know, there's seven or eight guys. RLRM Sport, I think, you know, they've got a really good shout here as well uh, with the number 43 car. So there's seven or eight cars that could be shooting for LMP2 pole. Same in LMP3. Ultimate, the number 17 car. Uh, Nielsen, M Racing, uh, Euro International. You know, you can, you can perm half a dozen cars there. And the question then when you get to GTE is, will it be a Porsche? or can the Ferraris find something here? At the moment, it's Porsche, Porsche, Proton ahead of Dempsey Proton, 88 ahead of 77, and then the two Kessel Racing Ferraris, and uh, the uh, uh, female crew car is still 83 ahead of uh, 60 as the best of the Ferraris, and third fastest through this second and final free practice session. Yeah, the, the, the ballasted cars in GTE, 51 heaviest, that's currently fifth in this free practice two session. Then level on 25 kilos each, 77 is second fastest, 66 Ferrari is sixth fastest. Sixth, yeah. And then the 55 Ferrari, which only carries five kilos, is down in seventh position. But uh, it is a Ferrari versus Porsche battle, has been uh, the way of things all year long, with Ferrari the more numerous chassis, just the two Porsches, offered by Dempsey and Proton, which are basically the same team, but yeah. uh, have different title names, I think, to help them with more entries at Le Mans at the end of the, uh, with the, uh, end of the, the WEC season yeah. uh, next summer. And, and at the, you know, so far, actually, the three cars that are effectively hanging out the tail of the GTE field, the 51 Lusic Racing Ferrari, the all-yellow JMW car, and the green with white roof 55 Spirit of Race, they've all been right at the sharp end in all of the races, um, uh, particularly Lutic. Uh, 55 has been handed a stop-and-go penalty as well. Um, so there's a, an added little problem there. Matt Griffin still at the wheel of the car. It's been sitting in the pits for a couple of minutes. Um, so I did read what it was for, and I've now immediately obviously <laughs> forgotten five minutes later, because um, when we were hearing Felipe Albuquerque, he was saying, yeah, the tyres in ELMS are different from the tyres in WEC. Now, they're made by the same company. They're the same size to fit on the same size LMP2 car. What I really wanted to hear from him was, in what way are the WEC cars tyre differing from, because they're using, because United are using Michelin on, on 
both cars. Yes, yes they are. Yes, they are. Um, so, yes, yeah, interesting because we've got you know well, Michelin, Michelin Dunlop tyre war in LMP2 here, and we've got Michelin Dunlop. Goodyear tyre war shaping up in yes. WEC, so that's but all starting to get a li little interesting. I know for the prologue at Barcelona, Michelin turned up with, I think it was as many as six new compounds mm. for the teams to run into a new season, and obviously we've got a we've got a summer season overlapping with a winter season yes. now, yes. Uh, and Michelin possibly can't, under the regulations, change the compound in ELMS, yep. whereas they've got new customers potentially into into the WEC season, so it might be similar to how you can't you couldn't run, run an Aston Martin Vantage AMR as an AMCAR until we got to the mid-season break. Maybe you yep. can't run these new Michelins in WEC in the ELMS until next season. Yes, entirely entirely likely, and and because there is this tyre war already in WEC. Um, then Michelin and Dunlop, their European Le Mans series customers, will benefit from that. And I, I suspect that both tyre manufacturers will try and introduce improved compounds into European Le Mans series next year, which should see the lap times fall, the speeds rise, uh, and the competition even tighter. And of course, what they learn up until Christmas time in World Endurance, which will be getting on for half the season, mm. uh, will give them further grist to the mill for next year's European Le Mans series so you're right I mean yeah, it, world endurance now is sort of going back to school in August for a new term and finishing in June you know it's, it's probably like being at school the school holidays are the off season basically uh, of course the off season is immediately filled with getting everything ready for the beginning of the new season which is in August yep. so yeah not much of an off season it's not like being you know teachers once you finish the exams the markings done um, no, no, certainly It's not. all planning for next year's classes immediately. And, and when you're bringing a new car to the party, like Porsche are in GT Pro, and and uh, we had an uprated Ferrari. Uh, to, I mean, it's been a slight revision, but they are brand new cars from Maranello. Uh, yeah, there's a question of having to sort the development for your new car for the new season, along with running the older spec uh, chassis as well, simultaneously. It's been very, very tough well, for the all the irony, The irony being, for World Endurance teams, they're more likely to get time off during the season, quote, than they are between seasons, because that is development time, you know, and any time you're not testing, in the, in the pure daily Thompson mode, you fear that your rivals will be. So there have been, there has been a lot of testing going on in all the classes in World Endurance during the, quote, summer off-season. Um, so, yeah, very little actual off-season has been going on. Ten minutes exactly still to elapse in this two-hour session for the European Le Mans series. Henrik Hedman last at the wheel of the second-fastest Dragon Speed car, but that's now parked up in the pits. I think he may just have got in that car, actually. So maybe he's just done one installation mm. lap and then back in. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, Roman Rusinov on the 26 car we're not going to see again. Did they just run that car all the way through its fuel load to find out how accurate the sensors were, or is there something more? I don't to... know. I don't know. If it was going slowly at uh, Beckett's, it would suggest that it's not a gear train or a drive shaft or anything like that issue, but... Yeah, my, my rule of thumb is, is it on fire? Has it got all its wheels? Uh, in which case, if, it, if, if neither of those apply, if it has all its wheels and it's not on fire, then it's electronics. Yeah, that's possible. Or, almost, you know, I, and, you know, I, yes, it may well be that they've miscalculated on the fuel. Yeah, so my uh, assertion that uh, Henry Hedman may just have taken over the Dragon Speed car immediately proved wrong as James Allen leaves the pit lane in it. So Henry Hedman had brought it in. And James Allen then in the number 21 Dragon Speed car. 
Who else haven't we mentioned? 43 RRM Sport, which is orange, white and black LMP2 car. John Ferrano at the wheel of that car, uh, as he has been for a while. Uh, he is doing a long run in that, isn't he? They have now done 42 laps. The fastest lap for that car was set on lap six of their session. So they have gone out, gone, right, OK, that's how quick it'll go. Right, now we need to get some seat time for our drivers. Uh, who else? We still, I just saw the Algarve Pro car, number 25. Andrea Pizzitola at the wheel of that car. It's fifth quickest. The other Algarve Pro car, uh, 34. That is 14th fastest, and that is being driven by... I'm looking at the wrong line again. Oh, no, I'm not. I think that's another change. That yeah. is Lukas Dunner, who... No, it He's says T. Kim on the timing screen. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking so, about... I'm looking at the wrong line there. So, Ajahn Tombe, Jakub Schmakowski, I've seen in that car. So, no Lucas Dunner. It is now T. Kim. T. Kim... No, I think I'm, I'm throwing you off there because I was looking for car 34. T. Kim is car 31. Oh, hang on. Oh, right, now, so I'm reading the wrong line on the dodgy timing screen. Yes, that Taxon is. Taxon Kim, yes, for yeah. 31. Yeah, that, well, he's yeah. a regular uh, driver with Henning Engfist and James French. Gotcha. Lucas Dunner hasn't done any of the races, to my knowledge, so far this year, but he's on the entry list to join uh, Adrian Tambay and Kuba Schmuchowski at right. Inter Europol. And Lucas Dunner is at the wheel of the number 34 car, the Inter Europol car, at the moment. Yeah. Um, no, that, it's not, that's not a European Le Mans series name I recognise. Uh, Schmakowski has been with the team right from the beginning. He has, yeah. Inter Europol basically are a Polish-based team, and so uh, and yeah, they're, Schmakowski they're, has been with them right from the beginning. They're bakers, you know. It, it is a, baker, a bakery uh, into Europol because uh, I remember having a cup of tea during the Le Mans week, and the mugs that they are, the cup of teas are served in, it says on the side, not just a bakery. That's the least baking name. Isn't it just? Into Europol. It, they do sound like a police agency. One of the largest European bakers uh, wow. known to me. I think it's about 22 countries that they ship bread to. And other so, things. to drive for them, you really need the dough. <laughs> Very good. And oh, that, that's, that's me for the day. And, uh, <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, I've walked up. Wait, wait, did you want something out of them? Because I just walked up to their unpleasant green and yellow uh, pit. Well, uh, stick stick Lucas Dunner down on the list to interview later on. He's, he's out in the car at the moment. He's only 17 years old from Austria. Oh, showing off now. And uh, yeah, I know. Uh, doing some Euro Formula Open racing this year, but I, he's never done any prototype racing. Okay. Straight in at the deep end in LMP2, therefore. Slimy. Um, yeah. Well. I'm sure as soon as he gets out of the car, he'll be on his phone, but yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be uh, Papa Dunner's choice of a career. So, yes, he's doing Euro Open, which is uh, older Formula 3 cars. He's done F4. Um, In Spain, yeah. Yeah, might be following a little bit uh, I can see the no Jules Gounon school. I can see no bread references in their pits, by the way. No. Oh, really? There's no bread-based reference at all. It says, powered by Keith Motorsport, Novomatic winning technology. I'm going to go in the back and find some bread-based products, well, I think, See if possible. you can find a bun. Well, literally, yes. I, I, I just feel... I, I, I suppose they... Uh, they are obviously particularly good. They have very strong roll bars. Um, very good. <laughs> 
Well, you can ask Cara Fleming about her role within the team. Very good, yes, uh, yes. Former team uh, PR go, I woman. I can't go there with my next joke on that one. We're relating to a uh, type of uh, role, but there we are. Former PR woman <laughs> for the uh, Orica Viper team back in the FIA oh, yes. days. And she was team manager uh, and literally chief cook and bottle washer when the team first started. There was only about 20 members and she used to cook all the meals for them as well as doing press releases and the travel arrangements and uh, everything else. I'll be honest with you, there was a very, very disappointing lack of bread products in this pit. Yeah. They haven't even got that roll. They've got some, they got some uh, unpleasant fitness water that looks like water when it comes out of you again. Yeah. Um, they've got a nice setup. They've got, they've got a lovely sweet one too. They've got Ikea sofas. They're all relaxing on in front of some televisions. But there's some fruit. I can get banana. I can get a... There is actually a, a fizzy snake in the back as well. A bowl of fizzy snakes. Uh, but there is no bread. All so well and good. But if there's no sticky buns, mm, I'm, I'm just not feeling it. Mm. I'm not feeling it. I'm just wondering. You know, I th I think, I'm not saying Johnny's wrong. I'm just saying but, that... No, they, let, me you, let me read you a quote from the website, which is interesting. <laughs> okay. And this might be da you know, down to recent uh, news uh, <laughs> over the last week in the UK, right? Today, it says, today we are the leading producer of bakery goods in Poland. Our products are highly praised in the European Union. Uh-oh. So is this a protest? So what they're basically saying is that if we rather than Brexit, we've, we've Brexiting. <laughs> Bread exit. Bread exit, yeah. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, How much further can we go with this? Me at this can point, we do three and a half more minutes of bread pottery? I, we, honestly, I think yes. I can get out the door at this stage. Yeah, I think if, 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 we, if we use our loaves, yeah, we can. Um, Hang on, I can even hear Eve coming in from yeah, the press room right now I'm, to cut us I'm off air. Very, very, I'm a long way away. You can get your ears flicked up there. <laughs> I think she's true. just going to pull the plug. Three <laughs> minutes and 12 seconds of this tomfoolery remain. And uh, also, luckily... Just three minutes of the free practice session, second and final free practice session, the extended free practice session for European Le Mans series. And nobody currently going quicker than previously. So they're all but about half a dozen cars are out on track. Now then, contact between car number 37 and car number 8 at turn 4 under investigation. Um, the only bit out of that that I can elucidate is car uh, who is 37? See, this is... That's uh, the cool racing car, which was off the track for a long time at, okay. uh, uh, at Stowe, uh, wasn't it? Number eight Club. is an LMP3 car. That's the Nielsen racing car, James Littlejohn and Nobuya Yamanaka. Uh, so they have made contact at turn four, which is... Uh, the loop. Uh, yes, it is, isn't it? That's probably a dive into the inside. And the overtaking of car 43 under yellow is being investigated as well. 43 sounds vaguely familiar. Oh, yes, it's RLR, M Sport, John Ferrano, Mathieu, Vazivier, and Arjun Maini. Uh, We've had a Carlin update. Oh, go ahead. I've up this end to see how far they've got. And the good news is that the engine and gearbox are now attached to the chassis. The other good news is that they have at least 150 tie wraps waiting to be used. Um, but they are working very... It's interesting, you suddenly realise how much stuff is involved when you just have a bare, a bare tub. Because I walked past a while ago and, they were having, and they've been working for a long time on the pedal box and the, uh, the various uh, clutch master cylinder and the uh, brake master cylinder. The two guys have been working in that footwell the whole time. The actual engine uh, connectivity was quite simple. But it's now, I'm looking on the, the patchwork of products they've got to yet to get in the car. And you're thinking, that's a lot of work. Uh, but yeah. I was, at least this was, and this is the key thing, this was a chassis that was pre-wired. Because that's always what it takes in real time to wire the chassis up. But the pre-wired chassis, but still, I don't think they're going home early today. 
No, I, it's going to be a long night for them. The good news for them is they're only doing one championship on Saturday and don't have to then also prep cars for World Endurance for Sunday. Mathieu Vazivier and the cars team manager have been summoned to race direction. So it was not John Ferrano or Arjun Maini who was in the 43 RLRM Sport car uh, when that contact happened with uh, number eight, the Nielsen car. Um, who was in number eight? Let's have a quick look. Uh, Yamanaka. So the Japanese driver who made his debut at the beginning of the season, didn't he, in uh, European Le Mans series. Uh, partnered with James Littlejohn in the number eight uh, Nielsen racing car. Nielsen also with number seven, Tony Wells and Colin Noble. Uh, they're likely to figure among the front runners. Currently fifth fastest, uh, that car is. Yeah, Nobuya did not do Barcelona by the looks of things, but did do Ricard and Monza in the number eight machine. And oh, did he not do Barcelona? Oh, okay. No. And I, but James was there, so I'm trying to remember now which which teammate he had on that occasion. Uh, may have slipped off my rail. And now I wonder if Yamanaka is also doing a Super GT back-to-back uh, -back kind of program. Checker flag is out and luckily brings that uh, line of random fishing outside the <laughs> off stump to uh, an abrupt end. Uh, checker flag is out to the end of free practice two. It is 4.45 local time here at Silverstone on a partially hazily overcast, but otherwise relatively sunny, um, blue, warm-ish. I mean, it's warm in the sunshine, considering the temperature is yeah. still in the teens, high teens, I think, probably. It was, it was Nick it's Adcock, by the way, sharing with James Littlejohn in Spain. Nick? Uh -huh. It's hot in the sun, I can tell you. Now, if you're wearing a fire suit, even the thin one I've got on, it's Bruce's one, it's a bit, bit swampy. Uh, but it is, it's warm. No, it's, the, the, the track temperature will be very, very positive as far as the tyres are concerned. They'll be having no struggles whatsoever. It's a very pleasantly warm evening. Sun blazing down on the very dark black tyre that we have now with this uh, refresh. So uh, It is especially black. So I, I, did th I was looking at it today and thinking it's so black you can actually barely see tyre marks and race tracks, even when fresh, don't tend to be that dark. Yeah, so that will be picking up the heat even more and I would think they have some pretty good track temperatures. The air temperature you say is about 19, 20, but uh, it's a lovely sunny. It's a very lovely sunny evening. It is, isn't it? If, you were, if you're not wearing four layers of stuff. Ideal for sitting outside a village pub. Exactly. Which will be doing. Someone get me a beer. In a couple of hours. Uh, so, to round that up, thank you very much, Nick Damon, from the pit lane. Diana Binks is going to head down to the WEC pit lane shortly, and uh, we'll be reporting from there. So, let's have a look at who is where and what is what. We'll start lower down the timing screen with our GTE class. The fastest car of all is a Porsche. It's the 88 Proton competition car. Second fastest is the 77 Dempsey Proton sister car. And third fastest, the best of the Ferraris. And in the end, that turned out to be the 55 Spirit of Race car. Matt Griffin banging in a lap three from the end of free practice to go third fastest best of the Ferraris ahead of the female crewed Kessel Racing car, the male crewed Kessel Racing car, and the most heavily ballasted Ferrari, the 51 Lusic car. 66 rounding out the GTE field, JMW Motorsport. Now, JMW have had a lot of success at this track, but not with this particular Ferrari chassis, with the old one that was 173 years old, the veteran vintage mm. um, pre-Edwardian, uh, they had uh, a lot of success, but that car does not seem really to be even 
remotely up to speed. They're not a, a long way shy of the car in front, but they are, uh, what's their best lap? A 58.9 best lap in the class is a 57.0. So two seconds off, that's a, a slice of time to find. They did win here last year though, you're right. Yeah. Uh, that, that was with the, the newer shape Ferrari, mm. Liam Griffin, Alex McDowell, Miguel Molinar, who's now a, a full off, a full spec AF Corsa factory yep. driver this weekend. Um, yeah, so none of the drivers that were in the car that uh, in that race last year are in the no. car this race this year. Um, in LMP3, Euro International, the 11 car, that's the matte black plain carbon car, uh, that ended up fastest in LMP3, ahead of M Racing. So it's Ligier fastest in P3, M Racing's Norma second quickest, 360 Racing, that's car number six, uh, the Ligier in third fastest, fourth fastest ultimate, that's the red and white number 17 car, and that is another Norma. Fifth and sixth, two more Normas for Nielsen, their number seven car, and real time, the number nine uh, Norma. So those are the top half dozen, just outside of the top six, both United cars in the order three, ahead of two, uh, so more Ligiers. And in the top class, LMP2, it is Orica, 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 although one of them isn't called an Orica. Uh, more in a moment. Top of the pile then, number 22, United Auto Sports car, courtesy of a couple of laps, two or three laps from Philippe Albuquerque that left them fastest of all. Dragon Speed's number 21 car, the white car with the blue stripe and the stars and bars, or the stars at least, down the, the length of the car. That is second fastest, so those are both Oricas. Also Orica built, but badged as an Aurus, is G-Drive's orange and black number 26 car. That was third quickest, didn't complete the session because it stopped. Uh, fourth fastest, IDEX Sport, that's another Orica. Fifth fastest, that's their 28 car, their quicker car. Uh, and as we heard from Nick Manassian, that's their uh, non-gentleman driver lineup. Uh, in fifth place, the number 25 Algarve Pro car, that's their quicker lineup as well. That's their sort of bronze, silver, gold rather than their gentleman driver car. Uh, sixth fastest, Graf's number 39 machine. Uh, Tristan Gomedy ending the stint in that one, and he may well be the guy who goes out to try and swing for pole, uh, which he has done successfully already this season. Uh, seventh, United Autosports number 32 car, that's their Ligier. Uh, so the Orica did a 143.17, and their Ligier, for comparison, did a 144.4. Uh, cool Racing... Uh, big upon Duquesne are 8th fastest with car number 30, 9th fastest Cool Racing car number 37, and 10th fastest RLR M Sport with the number 43 machine. Yeah, and Mathieu Vaxivier, who was at the wheel at the end of that session, now being told to head to... The naughty boy sofa with the team manager. I yeah, hope. that was for contact down oh, yes. in the loop, wasn't it, with the uh, number eight, eight Nielsen car. Yeah, okay. Of Nabuya Yamanaka. Right, well, we'll wait to see whether that comes to anything when the results are issued very, very shortly. But that's ELMS done for the day. The next time those cars will be out on track uh, tomorrow morning for three doses of qualifying three 10-minute sessions uh, virtually back to back the first of which which is uh, sh scheduled for 10:55, and the last of the three due to come to a close at around about 11:40. so join us for that we will have it all covered here of course here right here on rs3 and rs1 part of the radio show limited network of channels this program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.